You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we find out more about ourselves as we get thrown against the anvil, which is triathlon, one of the world's most difficult and complicated sports, and try to keep our sanity along the way, and we learn a lot of Zen while we're doing it. So let's go ahead and talk about what's on this podcast. We have a little bit about latex tubes whether or not you should use them. There's a lot of upsides and downsides to them, and I go over that. Also, I go out and bike around with flat pedals, which is almost sacrilegious in high-performance cycling to uh, even medium, almost low-performance cycling to uh, be riding around on flat pedals, but I did it with a power meter and heart rate strap, and I have workouts to compare it against, and it's going to blow your mind about how Flat pedals were exactly as powerful, useful, good, whatever you want to say, as clipless pedals. It was really bizarre. I couldn't even believe it myself. We're going to cover that later in the show. I have a little interview, I think, with Kai, my 11-year-old son, talking about Amrita bars, and f- but mostly about fueling and about how eating the, uh, the right stuff uh, can give you a 180-degree performance boost during the middle of one of your longer bike rides or workouts or whatever you're doing out there. It's really cool. But before we get into all that, we should go ahead and cover the triathlon news. we got a lot going on, so here we go. All right, something that just happened today is a guy got hit by a deer doing the Dublin triathlon. (laughs) There's a photo of it. There was a race photographer that happened to be out there and caught it. The guy is on his head on the ground. It cracked open his helmet. Uh, He got hurt not terribly bad. He managed to finish the race two hours and 25 minutes after uh, being hit by a deer with a full antler rack. The thing is pretty impressive looking and it had a buddy with him, of course, the deer did. And uh, yeah, just you got to be careful out there. I almost got hit by a deer one time uh, riding my bike and it made me really kind of pay more attention to what's going on when you're riding out in the countryside. Uh, You can hit things or get hit by stuff. And uh, along that note, um, Andrew Starkowicz uh, got hit by a van. And this happened a couple of weeks ago. And he tweeted uh, some pics now of him. He's really banged up. He's finally home from the hospital. I think he got hit either by a van or by a truck and was dragged a little bit. And this is not good at all. And uh, we just had Andy Starkowitz on the uh, the podcast just a I mean right before Iron Man Texas and the interview is really great he is a hundred percent balls to the wall like a racer born and bred it has that that racehorse mentality and this has got to really suck so everybody uh, give a shout out to him if you can on Twitter and uh, yeah that's this is a real bummer at least he's okay and he's recovering uh, Gwen Jorgensen had a uh, one hell of an Olympics. She got gold, and you know, of course, they do the Olympic distance. And uh, this was down in Rio. If you didn't hear about this, then uh, you've been living <laughs> under a rug or something because this is a big deal. And a lot of people forget that um, she 
was in the Olympics in 2012 and I had a flat tire or two flat tires. But anyway, I had uh, tire trouble and uh, didn't, I don't even know if she finished the race back then. And so this is her comeuppance, her, I don't know if it's comeuppance, her, uh, her revenge Olympics and she got gold. And there was a duel between her and another female. And there's arguments on whether or not you should draft on the run. Why don't people draft on the run? And you can, and you probably should, if you can. It does make the tiniest bit of impact. Where she was it? Who was the uh, the second place? It was the woman that got gold at the uh, 2012 Olympics. Uh, they slowed down to kind of like a run walk because neither one of them wanted to be in front on the run <laughs> because they were running into a strong headwind at one point, and uh, they were trying to get the other person to uh, go in front to uh, take the work because it is more work being in front on the run especially if you're uh, uh running definitely if you're running into a headwind if there's no wind it's kind of it's kind of uh negotiable but um yeah so let's see we can move on to stride s-t-r-y-d has a new power meter for running uh for a while they did have a little foot pod one but then they moved it to the I think it was maybe a waistband, but they moved it to a chest strap. But a lot of people are already wearing a heart rate monitor or whatever, you know. And so I don't think it was that great of a design. Uh, neither did, I think, DC Rainmaker. And Stride has a Model 2.0, and it is a foot pod. And uh, people predict that this is going to be a really good uh, successor to the other one. It's going to be really popular. And there are some watches out there that pick up a foot pod for power. So one of them is Sunto, which we'll get back to in a moment. I got some Sunto news for you. All right, Uberman is on, and I am out. <laughs> I am not doing Uberman. I was so going to do it, but I was going to have to raise money to do it. And uh, it was just going to be this huge undertaking, and I kind of needed a break. And also, oh, my feet are injured, so I was kind of like, I need to, I definitely need a break to let my feet heal, and um, so I am out. But Uberman is on. Uberman is swimming the Catalina Channel, which is a 22-mile open wash, open ocean swim with uh, great white sharks from Catalina to pretty much like Long Beach or LA, I think, and then from there. You bike to Death Valley, which is a 400-something mile bike ride. And then you, now that you're at Badwater, uh, the bottom of Death Valley, you run to the top of Mount Whitney, which is the Badwater run course, uh, which is one of the world's hardest ultra marathons. Probably might be, might be the hardest. And it's a 135-mile run up to Mount Whitney, which is, I believe, the tallest. It's to the... Not the summit of Mount Whitney, but to, there's like a trail that starts kind of at the base of the summit of Mount Whitney. And the uh, uh, Mount Whitney is the tallest mountain in the, con in the uh, contiguous United States. Uh, Denali is taller in Alaska. So from below sea level to one of the highest places on earth um, on the run, over 135 miles, after doing all this other stuff, um, I was looking at it and I was like, man, if I had a really good run, I mean a really good, you know, run overall, 
Uh, you're talking like five days, six days. I don't know. The thing is insane. It's called Uberman. Uh, the website's Uberman1, number one. Uh, Uberman1.com, I think. And it starts on October 19th at 6 a.m. Pacific. They're going to hit the water. So you definitely want to stay tuned and watch this. I'll be tweeting about it. I'm a fan of it. I'm just uh, not doing it this year because it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I was honored just to be considered. Um, and I'm trying, I might still do it next year if they, if they do it again next year. So it's something to watch. Oh, I have a list of the people that are racing. I think it's eight people that are in it. So Shangri-La Rendon or Rendon uh, from the USA, she's the Guinness world record holder, fastest, fastest female quintuple Ironman. <laughs> she's in this. Norbert Luftenegger from Austria. Uh, Guinness World Record holder, quintuple Ironman, Maria Conciacio uh, from Dubai. Uh, she's the Guinness World Record holder for seven marathons and seven continents in seven days. John Chung, USA, uh, member world record holders, deep six, 202 mile ocean swim relay. Uh, Giorgio Alessi, uh, Italy. He's done Enduro Man, which I believe that's the one where you bike and then uh, quite a ways in the UK, and then you swim the English Channel, and then you, I think you run in the UK. It's kind of like a reverse triathlon, and then you swim the English Channel, and then you bike to Paris after finishing that. So I got a little pop up here, and you get rid of. Um, let's see. Do I have somebody else? Uh, Tobias Friends uh, lives in Singapore. He's done the Trans-Sahara Marathon and the Transatlantic Bike Race. Uh, Tim Davis, USA, 24-hour cycling championships. Wow. Uh, Oregon Double Anvil Triathlon. That sounds pretty scary. Uh, Scott Sambucci, uh, USA. He's, on the, he's done the North Face Endurance Challenge. And the Alcatraz Double Ocean Swim. So those are your racers. I can't believe I was even in that group. That's nuts. And yeah, that's crazy. Um, if you want to know a little bit about me, you can look up. Um, you can go to zentrathlon.com, and at the top there's a Who Is Brett. You can look at that and see some of the crazy stuff I've done. I am not in this category, <laughs> but you never know. Okay, uh, let's see. Speaking of ultra stuff. I got a new Sunto, the Spartan Ultra, and I'm super stoked to have it. Uh, they sent it to me, uh, Sunto did, and I am wearing it side by side, uh, well, wrist per wrist, uh, with the Garmin 920 XT and comparing them and having a lot of fun. So I'm posting pictures on, um, on Instagram. And I'm um, in triathlon on Instagram. They are very different watches. Uh, very, very. The the Spartan Ultra is very, very cool, and very pretty, and has a lot of cool features in it. And uh, it's got a touch screen that you can, uh, uh, you know, push up and down, left and right. And um, the software right now on it uh, is not um, fully blown out yet. It's uh, there's still things that are coming in the next update that I'm excited about looking for and all around it's really cool and oh it's got like crazy crazy battery life um and it should and it's got a altimeter in it you know it's just all around it's super cool so watch for that watch for uh, spartan ultra news 
and it's Bluetooth. So I got to figure out something to do with my Bluetooth power. Uh, my power meter on my bike is um, ant only. So I got to figure out a Bluetooth solution to this thing. It'll be interesting. Um, in the news, a mountain bike pedal caused a forest fire in California. So if you got metal mountain bike pedals and uh, you take a corner and you clip a rock, you can actually throw a spark. It's happened. And they think that's the reason behind a forest fire in California. It's pretty crazy. Uh, Vibram, who makes the, um, you know, that shoe, kind of sock shoe called the uh, Five Fingers. Well, they have a totally new shoe which wraps around your foot like a sock. It's like a wrap. It's like a burrito for your toes. It's pretty cool. Uh, so go check that out. And um, I was quoted in the San Diego Tribune. This is nuts. The uh, For a tweet I made at a journalist, an NFL journalist, for driving down a bike lane. And, uh, I mean, I just read the article about, or, yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole lot of stuff about Starkey getting hit on his bike. And then, uh, and this is, and Starkey's got pictures of him. You know, he is torn up looking. And then I see this news story where this, um, NFL journalist, uh, was late to a, um, to a Chargers game and he and somebody driving with him, uh, got in the bike lane and he tweeted a picture of it. Kind of like, hey, look how crazy we are trying to get to this football game, implied. You know, i got to be careful with what I say. And, uh, boy, the internet, like, lit up. Like, this is not appropriate. And I tweeted at him. I said, this is not cool. People die. You're setting an example, and people die from stuff like this. And San Diego, I got a tweet later from the San Diego Union Tribune, I think. And they... Uh, they said, uh, hey, uh, just letting you know, we used your tweet in the news story. And so they ran this big news story, and it had a list of tweets. And out of you know hundreds of tweets, they picked out mine. Because mine was kind of engineered to kind of shame a little bit. Like, hey, man, think about what you're doing, you know? You're setting an example out there uh, for other people that aren't cyclists to, um, to do this kind of thing. And you know, you're authorizing other people to uh, do that. Not overtly. But uh, subvertly, you're kind of doing that. And also, man, if you don't know <laughs> by now, if you're a journalist and you don't know by now that tweeting about or saying anything in the media about hitting cyclists or you wish you could run over cyclists or this, that, and the other about cyclists and they should be taken out or anything aggressive towards cyclists goes over like a lead brick badly. Um, then, man, you need to have your brain checked because they're getting in trouble every once in a while and it makes the, makes the major news, so they should know better. Oh, Parley, which is a, um, a wonderful bike maker, uh, P-A-R-L-E-E, Parley. Uh, they've been doing, they were one of the first bike companies to put disc brakes on their road bikes and a long time ago. And they came out with a tri-bike, their, their new tri-bike for this next year, um, with disc brakes on it, and there's a huge argument on whether you want disc brakes on a tri bike. A lot of time, a lot of times, if you're riding a tri bike and the course is technical enough for you to need disc brakes, then you probably shouldn't be on a tri bike anyway. Some people would say. And uh, like when I did the Alcatraz uh, race, the um, the bike course is really steep and turny and. Attorney's not a technical, but, uh, you know, a lot of turns and, 
Um, it could rain. So I just brought my road bike and I rode that instead, you know? And, uh, but disc brakes are a game changer for, um, how fast you can go, uh, into turns and downhills, give you a lot more confidence. You end up going faster with disc brakes if the course is technical and especially if the course has some downhills and it just gives you way more confidence. So you end up going into turns a little bit faster and you have better control and your time's faster. But then a tri-bike is supposed to be all about aerodynamics, paying all this money for aerodynamics. And now you have these rotors sticking off on the side. But then the question is, is like how much, how much wind penalty is it really per, you know, and, but then versus how much time are you saving? Right. And I got to say the Parley bike is really pretty. I like it a lot. It's a good looking bike. I would not have a problem with riding it. And they, they uh, kind of shielded the brakes a little bit. This was a question like, does shielding the brakes from the uh, airflow actually um, uh, not let the brakes cool down and they could overheat? You know, who knows yet? Haven't really uh, tested this bike out in the wild. Um, but how much are you going to use those brakes really on a tri bike anyway? So it just goes back and forth and back and forth. So to get to the bottom of it, you're going to have to go check that out. It's a, um, it's a cool, cool looking bike. Everything else about the bike for sure is really pretty. And let's see, Cycle Ops, they make a power tap. They're also owned by Saris. Hold on, we're going to have a coffee break. Mm. Ah, Keurig. Uh, Cycle Ops, um, the they make power tap. Well, power tap, I've had a power tap on my bike since 2007. The same power tap. I've sent it back, had parts upgraded internally, uh, had some bearings replaced, and Cycle Ops is just like this awesome company um, that just makes like a really high quality power meter for not too much money. And it's in the hub. Well, recently, you know, they came out with ones in the pedals and also I think in the spider, the, the crank. And maybe somewhere else, but, um, on the bike, but doing it in the pedals is really hard to do. But one of the things that cycle ops is great about is, um, they're very Zen about, uh, minimalist, uh, complications. Like you just, you just spin the wheel and it self calibrates, right? There's all this stuff where you have to fiddle with power meters and they don't work or they do work and they don't work or they're off you know, and they're, they're difficult to manage or you gotta, you gotta work with this and work with that. And, um, and they, they're complicated and Cyclops is a really good, uh, really good development and making sure that their stuff is as simple as possible. And that makes it, so you just, you just ride and you almost forget about it. It's really cool. But Cyclops came out with a new smart trainer and, and that means that you can hook it up to a computer wirelessly, I think, and it'll do, um, it'll, the computer program like Zwift, for example, can control the resistance. That's really cool, right? So if you're going uphill on the Zwift video game, then it makes, you know, ups the resistance if you want. Or you could set it to, I want, you know, uh, 200 watts of resistance, period. No matter what, no matter what gear I'm in, I want 200 watts of resistance, right? And, um, they came out with a new smart trainer, $600, and it's got a power tap power meter inside of it. Wireless smart trainer that can do that. I mean, that is really, really cool. Uh, it's a really competitive price. I've got it on my radar as maybe a power meter that I might get, like right, because I can do the Bluetooth stuff. And I ride the trainer a ton, a ton. I ride a Cycle Ops um, 
just a fluid too, which is like a classic trainer, and it works great. I love the thing. And it's a dumb trainer is what you call it. And let's see. I forgot to mention with uh, Gwen Jorgensen uh, the, in the Olympics, uh, a few days before the women's race was the men's race. Uh, the Brownlee brothers got gold and silver. So Alistar got um, gold. And I think he's a, I think he's a repeat. I think he got gold last time. And Jonathan got silver. Uh, there was a little bit of uh, discussion on slow twitch. Like, should he have slowed down and let his brother gotten gold? I think his brother would have been pissed. <laughs> and Al starts the older brother. And I, I remember saying something like, dude, older brother's job is to uh, just beat the crap out of the little brother. And the little brother's tougher for it. And, and uh, little brothers hate it when they're really little, but as they get older, they really appreciate it. So um, that's uh, interesting. So older and younger brother, gold and silver, and Great Britain. And, uh, man, something stood out to me. We were watching the uh, track part of the uh, of the Olympics. Uh, it was like a 100, no, it wasn't a 100. It was probably a 200 or a 400 or whatever they were racing. And a guy false started, and he's out of the Olympics. And I was like, or out of that race, at least, probably out of a lot of stuff. And I thought, you get you get a one false start and you're automatically disqualified, you DQ'd. That's crazy. And uh, swimming, you would take, uh, you get you get at least one false start, maybe two, and then, uh, then you're out. So uh, I think that that's a crazy rule that needs to go. The guy worked his ass off getting all the way to the Olympics, and he jumps the gun, and they could take two seconds and, you know, restart everything and then go and uh you know no harm no foul but this guy's whole life building up to going to the olympics and um he uh, especially with nerves and stuff like that uh he did a false start and he's completely out of the olympics i think that's so wrong let me know what you think uh zen triathlon on twitter uh do you agree with me or is that something that's been going on in track since day one or should they get rid of it um quintana roo has a new bike a uh, it's called a PR three, so they have a PR six, I think a PR five, and they're really high end race bikes. Uh, their claim to fame is you can work on the whole bike with just like a couple of Allen wrenches, which is pretty nice. And um, let's see, looks like uh, around two and a half thousand dollars, uh, twenty six hundred with some race wheels. Did I write that down right, or is it thirty six hundred with some race wheels? But anyway, um, if you like Quintana Roo. Um, oh, it's got the uh, storage box on the back. My new Trek has the storage box on the back, and I love it. It is so cool. And the uh, Quintana Roos have that, and Quintana Roos have a little red blinky light built into the back of the storage box, so you've always got your blinky light right there. Now, charging it is a is a whole other thing. I don't know where the, uh, the blink is coming from, but, like, battery-wise. But, uh, yeah. So check that out. A new bike from Katana Roo. Uh, Kona's coming up, and you're going to see a huge deluge of deluge of bikes, all different kinds of models coming out, and uh, power meters and watches and all kinds of neat stuff. So stay tuned for all kinds of cool things like that. So that is all the news. We got a couple emails to read. Hold on a second. Let me dig it up. All right, got it. This one is from Jason Nelson, and he says, Hey, Brett, love the podcast, exclamation point. (laughs) People love for me to say the exclamation point. If you put an exclamation point in your email, I'm going to read it. He says, I am in... 
let me back up. So we have to read these things at work where we do employee recognition, like we acknowledge other employees and stuff that they've done. And you're reading it out loud so all the other employees can hear about some great job that somebody did. People send in emails and say, hey, we have these like once a month. Hey, I just want to thank this other employee for doing such a great great job. And I, don't know, I work in IT and we do a lot of customer service kind of stuff within the company. And uh, so people are thankful. And they... We got in the habit of saying the exclamation point, if somebody put an exclamation point, because uh, just reading it out loud, uh, we don't want to yell at everybody, but we want to let everybody know that this one person really appreciated what they did. And so we say the exclamation point. Sometimes we even count them at the end of it so people really understand um, how uh, appreciative somebody is or how strongly they feel about something. And that's the story behind that. All right, I am hearing about Iron Man Canada on my runs. Another exclamation point. He wrote in parentheses. Okay, I always enjoy hearing uh, your training log and picking up new tricks and tips. On a future podcast, would you be willing to share breathing tips for a beginning swimmer like me? I swim at my local YMCA, which has a 25-meter pool, and I can't go more than 50 meters without stopping to catch my breath. Everyone at the pool has been very nice with comments like, you need to work on your breathing or you need to learn how to breathe or it'll get easier when you learn to breathe. (laughs) Great observations, but no tips on how to learn to breathe. I can run a sub four hour marathon without stopping and without problems. I can ride 50 miles on my bike without stopping and no problems, but swimming is kicking my ass because of the breathing. I know that practice makes perfect, but if there ever was an opportunity for you to share some basic breathing tips while swimming, I, for one, would be most grateful, exclamation point, in parentheses, and thanks and congrats on Ironman Canada. All right, so the, the, uh, an undercurrent huh, of this podcast is I come from a, a competitive swimming background, and a lot of triathletes don't. Uh, they come from biking or running, and uh, they get into triathlon. So my swimming background helps out on shows uh, because I can help people with the one thing that most people have a lot of trouble with, which is the swimming. So you um, – and I learned to swim on teams as a little kid, and, and they're, they're trying to get everybody to figure out how to swim. And, and I've seen – I've had a million different coaches over all those years, and, uh, and I've seen a million different tips and tricks and what actually works. Okay, so – what you're doing? Oh, by the way, next podcast episode, we're having an interview with a guy that I've already recorded the first part. He's going to do his first 2.4 mile open water swim, and we talk about it over Skype and talk about what to do and what he's done and how to be calm and cool and how to how to swim. And he's come from a non-swimming background and uh, is now doing his first 2.4. So it's pretty cool. So look for that on the next episode. All right, but back to this. The thing you need to understand is that. Um, most people, and like, it's like 99% of people, uh, unless they learn how to swim as a little tiny baby, you see this where they throw babies in the water before they learn this reflex, most people have a gag reflex and a fear reflex to being in water, and they try to stand upright and get out. And it is a very difficult reflex to overcome. But it's possible. And... This is because, you know, humans are, uh, you know, we're land animals mostly. Uh, once we learn to swim, we're really good at it. But we're, we're land animals, and if we have a 
instinctive reaction to putting our face in the water is to get our faces up and out of the water. We do not like having our faces in the water. Um, just like we don't like, you know, a primitive guy is going to be scared of lightning and of a lion's roar and stuff like It's very instinctual to, to be afraid of having your face in the water because you can drown. So when to get your face down and in the water and to not be afraid and to relax and actually to swim is um, takes time, right? And I know this is the part where you're getting frustrated. It's like, well, when am I actually going to learn this? And it takes... The thing I want you to think about is when somebody is walking on a plank, right? A narrow board and uh, a long narrow board and they could fall off of it, right? But the board is, let's say the board's 10 feet off the ground or say it's between two buildings, right? On the fifth floor or the hundredth floor or whatever, right? That person is going to be um, wobbly, jittery, scared, trembling, uh, making all kinds of crazy movements, um, hold, trying to hold on to things, doing anything they can, and their body's going to be rigid and um, jerky and very fearful and shaking with fear, right? And then, now take that very same board. Let's say it's six inches wide, right? And you say, well, six inches is kind of wide. Dude, six inches, five stories up in the air is not very wide. <laughs> it is very scary. So now let's put that, that six-inch board Uh, and let's say it's, I don't know, 20 feet long, 50 feet long, something like that, and put it um, two inches off the ground. Just lay it in a a parking lot, right? Now walk walk the length of that board. That person is going to be relaxed and walking and uh, very loose and um, able to turn their head and look around. You know, you could say hi to them. They'll turn and wave and smile. They can chew gum. They could probably use their iPhone while walking across that board, right? And they're going to be very relaxed. So that's the difference um, in somebody that is nervous and or new to swimming. It's, it's like the person walking a six-inch wide board five stories up to somebody that's been swimming correctly, face down in the water for a long time, is going to get relaxed and, um, and confident, right? So how can you shortcut that confidence? And there's a great way to do it, and it's with a pull boy. So pull boy is the foam thing you can put between your legs and uh, up towards your crotch, and you hold it between your thighs, and it will float your um, your legs up in the air. And you got to remember when you're using this, do not kick. Try to not kick. Just keep your legs straight. And what this does is it lifts your body up, and holds you and it forces your head down and the more you swim with that thing the more relaxed and it suspends you and it's kind of like training wheels to get you in the right position and the more you do it the more you finally give in and you finally quit and we talk about this in the in the next episode you give up fighting it you need to let go it's a little bit of zen here for you you need you have to let go of thinking that you're going to drown, right? Well, that that's hard to do, and you can't just do it on purpose, right? You kind of have to use some tools to kind of make you just forget about being uh, afraid. And this will actually float you and get you in the right position and let you forget about being afraid because you'll soon realize after a while 
that you're not going to fall, right? That's your, that's your other fear is falling forward in the water. You're worried that if you lean far enough down and you relax enough that you're going to fall over the front of your, of, 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 of yourself and, uh, while you're swimming and then, (laughs) and you're somehow going to choke on water, right? Which is a very scary feeling. And that's why you're afraid. Well, the, the thing is, is when you're swimming, what are you going to fall off of? You can't fall off of anything. You can't fall over the front. But it is a balance thing of like how far forward you can lean and, and, and still be relaxed, right? And it just takes, it just takes something to hold you from the back uh, so that you don't feel like you're going to fall over anymore. You get, it's kind of like you're wearing a, a life jacket, um, that's, that's suspending you. It's like an angel that's kind of holding you and keeping you from falling over like a, like, like training wheels. It really is. It's pretty amazing. And then you got to remember, don't, don't kick. And, um, because I've seen people, uh, my son was using a pool boy the other day and I noticed he was, he was still kicking with his feet all over the place. No, you need to keep your, your lower body kind of straight. And then what it allows you to do is to get correct hand entry and kind of slide your arms in correctly and pull and kind of get your head down a little bit. So that's, that's um, 75% of it right there is a pool boy, right? Lots of time with a pool boy will get you confident that you're not going to drown and it'll allow you to relax while you swim and finally quit fighting it. You'll quit being nervous and, uh, you know, twitchy, whatever, all that stuff. And now the other part of it is... I'm big when I tell people how to swim, uh, what to feel for, some identifiers, some, some obvious things to connect to. And this is it for breathing and freestyle. The final goal when you're breathing freestyle is to have, uh, a lot of people look kind of, they'll look up and forward, they'll look up and to the right or to the to the side they'll um clear their entire face out of the water they'll um they do all kinds of crazy stuff and the more you lift your head up and out the more your chest starts plowing through the water and slows you down so you want your head down so what do you look for you want to turn your head to the side when you breathe and even not to the side in front but directly to the side when you breathe you want to notice that your face your eyes, your vision, center of vision is looking at the wall or something on the side that's the exact same distance down the pool as you are, no further ahead, right? And actually, it's a little bit more efficient to kind of be looking back just the tiniest bit. So uh, there's that. That's where your line of sight needs to be is at the exact, exactly to the side, 90 degree angle, perpendicular to the side. And then also... You want the line of the water to be running between your goggles, so down the middle of your nose. And the uh, a lot of people will say, so you've got one, if I'm breathing to the right, that means my left eye is underwater and my right eye is above water, right? And that's what you're looking for. When you hit that amount of lifting your, your head out, that's all you need fast swimmers, that's all they're doing is one eye out of the water. And you're like, well, how are you going to breathe? Because <laughs> that means half my mouth is in the water or most of my mouth is in the water and uh, it's going to fill with water. But aha, there's a trick. When you push your hands through the water, 
you get a you get a mound of water in front of your hand, right? And to the side of your hand. But then what happens after that? Behind your hand, a little bit to the side and behind your hand, it creates a trough. It creates a dip in the water. For water to go up, that means behind it, water has to be down, right? So if you look at a speedboat, um, behind the boat is a little dip as it's pushing water up in the front. So your mouth is actually in the dip of the trough behind uh, your head. And your head pushes up a little bit of water, but then creates a little dip of water behind it. And that's where your mouth ends up going. Pretty cool, huh? So that's how you know, um, that's how you aim for the right stuff in swimming. And you keep practicing with the pool boy until you get to there. All right. <laughs> wow, that was, a, uh, that was a long explanation. But that's important. That's a really big, important thing. And let's see, we have... Another email by Becky Torres on um, oh on the last episode I gave her advice on her bike and she's got some feedback on that. Before I do that, we need to give a shout out to let's see we got Salt Stick and we have Living Fuel. Let's talk about Living Fuel for a second. Living Fuel is a um, man. They're so stoked. Uh, they've been getting good responses from being on the podcast and um, I use. Let's see, I use their protein powder, which is awesome. I had uh, one serving of it yesterday and one serving of it yesterday. I added it to my coffee. That was pretty cool. And then um, their greens powder, um, uh, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's like a meal replacement. That stuff is so rad. I had that uh, just a couple of days ago when I knew I was going to go into a meeting. And I was like, oh, I need, uh, I need some energy that's going to last. And uh, so I had some of that. And that was really cool. I just mixed it up. I keep these two containers at work. And then they also make this, um, this uh, it's called cocoa, cocoa Chia. So it's chia seeds and coconut mixed together in a packet. You just cut the packet open and you just eat it. And it is so good. It stuff is crazy good. And I, uh, I, had, I brought two packets with me to work and I ate one and it was so good. I wanted to share the other one with somebody else. And I've given one to her before. And I said, Hey Marie, do you, uh, I got an extra one of these. Do you want it? And I shook it in front of her and she goes, Oh yeah, I want it. <laughs> and uh, that's how good they are. She's like freaked out. She's like, yes, I want that. I love those. And I said, I know I do too. They're so great. And, uh, so that's that. And they also make bars. And I know we talk about Amrita bars a lot on this, on this show. Um, they make a totally different kind of bar. It's made out of like coconut meal and it's got coconut oil in it and like, um, it's like coconut flour, I think. But anyway, they're, um, they're like really, really cool. Uh, uh, I guess you'd call them energy bars, but I love them, man. And all their stuff has got like lots of fiber and all kinds of good stuff. And I'm big on the um, the protein powder right now because I can just do a scoop and I just added it to my coffee. And um, oh, and their stuff is uh, super healthy, uh, vegan, uh, so it's it's plant protein, which is pretty cool. And let's see if they, ha- they have anything else uh, I wanted to mention. Um, yeah, just give them a, give them a, uh, give them a checkout, go to living, uh, livingfuel.com. And, uh, if you order anything through them, tell them Brett from Zentri sent you. So that's super cool. All right. Um, we got one last email before we get to the training log and where did it go? I got, ah, where'd it go? Eh, uh, Becky Torres. All right, here we go. And 
She said, I was out on a bike ride a few weeks ago listening to your podcast and was so excited to hear that you responded at length to my question in the episode where you discussed getting ready for Ironman Canada! Exclamation point. Thanks so much for all the helpful advice. I pretty much took all of your advice and now I have, and I'm going to tell you uh, before I tell you what she has. She sent in an email and said, hey, I got a new bike and I'm trying to deck it out with the right stuff. Like, where do I put, what kind of bento box? Uh, uh, what about, where do I put all my bottles and uh, how do I carry stuff, right? And so the previous episode, I said how after all these years of doing triathlon, I've got stuff that just works. I've tried all different kinds of things and this is what I do. So... Uh, and she's got this cool, the cool, cool bike. She's got a pink camouflage Quintana Roo, which is a classic bike that they make. They need to make that bike forever. I think it's so cool. And um, she said she took an X Lab as a brand, uh, BTA, that's between the arms, bottle, and um, put that in the front. And the Minora, M I N O U R A, bottle cage holder for uh, that mounts to the seat and the behind your bike she's got those in the back and those are working and for storage for spare tire stuff an x lab pod so they make a they make a regular size one and they make an extra tall one that's shaped like a water bottle and you can put that in a water bottle cage and then what i do is i put a uh, a silicone like an old like live strong kind of bracelet thing around that and i jam it in the uh the water bottle cage and that that holds it like the thing's never coming out it's really cool um, and she says that holds my flat repair kit. Uh, so far it has worked out great exclamation point. So cool. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you tried it. And that means if you wrote back that a lot of people tried some of that stuff and it works really great. And yeah, I think that's it. So, um, let's get into the training log. Um, I got an email from salt stick. They said they've been getting a bunch of orders from salt stick because we have a discount code and uh the uh the company was it the president was was uh like impressed he was like whoa they're uh this zentri group <laughs> it's uh is ordering far more than anybody else and i said to myself i'm like yeah because i talk about how to use stuff on the show and uh, my, my latest salt stick episode. Um, so salt stick makes capsules, right? Um, and some other stuff, but they make, um, they make a lot of different stuff, but they, the main thing that I like that they make is salt stick capsules and, um, they have a delivery stick that you can twist and more of them pop out. So it's kind of convenient to carry. You can Velcro it to your bike and stuff like that. And, um, but what's nice is it's just a convenience to go back to the Zen thing. Everything's about convenience and minimalism and doing stuff uh, with the least amount of fuss and salt stick has, um, yeah, it's just so easy to take salt stick capsule. Well, on Saturday I went out for my first outdoor long bike ride in a while. I haven't been on an outdoor long bike ride, um, in a few weeks and it's really hot here in Texas. And I'd forgotten about, uh, you know, you're not in the habit and you just kind of forget things. So I went out and I added, I just took some, uh, sea salt and made like a, like a teaspoon of it and added it to my fuel. And, uh, cause I was doing, you can, and it didn't have any electrolytes in it. So I just added that. I didn't, I wasn't thinking. And I went out for a bike ride and a three hour bike ride. And it's so hot here in Texas, right? It's August in Texas. It's insane here. 
uh, heat index of 106 or something, you know, and it's high, high humidity. And um, it's got steam hanging in the air. It's like the jungle. And uh, the uh, about two, just over two hours in the bike ride, I noticed my leg started twinging, like bang, 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 of little cramps kind of here and there. And I was like, man, that is weird. I, th- I, I thought I was drinking enough water. And in fact, I was pretty sure I was drinking enough water, but I didn't have to I didn't have to pee like usually about an hour and a half into a, a bike ride. You should have to pee. That means you're, you're hydrating enough. And I went the whole three hours never peeing. And, um, and even though I was drinking tons of, I thought I was drinking plenty of water. I was drinking a lot of water. Um, uh, later, the rest of the day, I felt like crap. I started getting a headache. Uh, early afternoon, I had a headache the rest of the night. We went to a friend's house for a uh, party. And we had to leave early instead of staying later because I felt like crap. Um, I just felt sluggish and whatever, and I had this headache. And I, I realized halfway through the afternoon, I go, man, I got dehydrated. Damn it. And it's because I didn't add any electrolytes to my water. So if you don't add enough electrolytes to your water, the water you drink doesn't work. So you gotta you got to salt up your water to make it stick. And I always say that uh, salt stick makes your water stick. Make your water sticky with salt stick. <laughs> and uh, I failed. And uh, the next day, I felt a lot better. I drank a lot of stuff with salt in it, you know, through the afternoon. And tried to kind of electrolyte back up. And then because Sunday morning, I went out for another bike ride. And I did two and a half hours. And I, I took um, two salt stick capsules per hour. And I felt great. Like the entire bike ride. I had a really good ride. And it was so much easier and so simple. I can't believe I forgot and yeah, you can uh, avoid failures like I had um, by getting some salt stick. And let's see if we can pull up their discount code here because we got 25% off with discount code ZENTRY25, all caps, ZENTRY25. Um, and that uh, works in the United States uh, at shopsaltstick.com. And. If you live outside the United States, remember that they have um, salt stick stuff at saltstick.com and also um, at in 30 different countries around the world. You can go to saltstick.com and use their store locator and find salt stick. And, but don't forget, if you live in the United States, use that discount code. 25% off is huge. And it's not just salt. It's electrolytes. It's got a mix of like magnesium and like all kinds of other stuff in it, which is really good. And again, the convenience factor of the capsules is great because you can take a capsule whole. You can break the capsule open really easily and pour out just as much as you want. Of course, the bottle has like how much sodium and whatever is in all the different capsules. And uh, it's just super, super easy to use. So I encourage that. All right. So that's enough about those sponsors. Let's go ahead and get into the training log. Again, we're going to talk about latex tubes. We're going to talk about uh, pedaling on flat pedals. <laughs> and oh my gosh, all your world can get turned upside down if you go out and ride with flat pedals and you actually do just as well as you did with clipless pedals. How is it possible? I don't know. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, all kinds of cool stuff like that. So let's go ahead and get into the training log right now. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi everybody, my name is Brett. I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, 
We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! Alright, welcome to a new training log. Start date, August 18th. Getting in the car, leaving the pool. I have an awesome pool workout for you. A little bit of insight on what makes an Ironman. And uh, whatever else I think of. A little headlamp thing from Leatherman. Maybe we'll fit that in. Firing up the Nissan Xterra. I already put the swimsuit on the roof rack. Xterra's come with a roof cargo box that's ventilated on the underside. I put my swimsuit in it after every practice. And then two days later, it's dry. And the towel as well. All right. Let's see. We are doing a, yeah, swim workout. Okay, so this is a workout that I give my athletes and I love giving them this one and it's so good I call it the holy grail you can give workouts a name in training peaks and I call this one the holy grail because it does everything that you need mostly the big thing in triathlon is train what you need to train so it kind of depends but um, first thing you do when you get in the water you start swimming with a pool boy because a pool boy lifts your legs up and uh, gets some glide in there. It allows you to glide. It gives you authority to glide because it's lifting your legs up. And if you start off swimming correctly like that, then it sets the tone. It sets it in your brain. This is how you swim. If you just start swimming regular freestyle, feet dragging all over the place, then you got to work up from there. And this sets the tone right from the beginning. This is training, not playing. So that's what we're all about. And... You're cruising along, swimming, and it's easy at first, and gradually over time, over many, many, many minutes, say eight minutes or so, you work up to where it's starting to burn in your arms. And the floating of the legs, again, allows you to stay straight, allows you to stay streamlined. You're doing flip turns, you're gliding, but you keep pushing the pace, pushing the pace, a little bit harder, a little bit harder. Every minute, like lift the pace just a tiny little bit, right? And then after a while, it starts to burn. Now, you want to hold that burn. And if you want to push it almost, you want to keep pushing, keep pushing the, uh, the intensity until you're a about to fail, right? You're about to give out. Now that's too much. If you do that, it's going to take too many days to uh, recover. So you don't want to go until you fail. So as you're right about to fail and it's burning, then you back off and you keep swimming. You just back off and then test it again. You know, push the pace just a little bit and then go, yep, was I right? Was I about to fail? And you're like, yeah, I was about to fail. Then what you do is as you do a turn at the wall, pull the pool boy out, set it on the wall, right? All in one motion. You don't want to stop and take a break. You want to do this all in one motion. Drop the pool boy on the wall, keep swimming, and now you're integrating your legs, your kick back into your uh, freestyle at a high stress level. It's burning. Um, but you've been doing so much of really good, clean, uh, drag-free swimming that you're so used to doing that that you're barely going to integrate your kick at all, and you still got that burn in your in your uh, arms, and then you're like, ah, one one fifty of that is probably pretty good because you're already on the edge. 
And then when you get to the wall and you're all done, you pause, you take a break for about 20 seconds, you know, catch your breath. Don't time all these things exactly. Just catch your breath. Then you say to yourself, self, I really didn't work my legs all that much, right? Because you've done everything with a pool boy. So now you get a kickboard. You should have gotten it out as you got on the deck of the pool. I should have said that. Get a kickboard and a pool boy before you start. Grab a kickboard and do a 50 or 100 of um, kick, freestyle kick. And then what that does is it teaches you how to get your feet up while kicking. And while you're giving your arms a break, you get to focus on your kick and uh, stretching out the top of your arch so that your toes point backwards. And then if the kick is hard, just relax. Just relax and just kick gently. Kicking itself is enough of a workout. And then when you're done doing that, take a little break and then you start over again. So the human mind loves to batch things. We're engineers. We, uh, you know, we're the only animal that's gone to the moon. (laughs) Somebody will tell you. And uh, the only other animals that have gone into space, we put them there all through engineering. And uh, we, the reason we are so successful is because we love to engineer. We like to leverage. We like to batch things. It will feel good for you to work on your legs while you're giving your arms a break. And then when you go back to working, while you're giving your legs a break, you go back to working on your arms. And the perfect storm always has three elements. The third element is you are working on very, very clean freestyle. So again, Start swimming with great form by using a pool boy. Slowly escalate over many minutes, a little bit more effort per minute until you start to burn, start to fail. You wanna hold it there for as long as you can, up to a few minutes, up to a few minutes, not more than that. And then um, drop the pool boy, integrate the, uh, the kick back in just for a short while so you get to feel what that feels like. Then drop the whole thing take a very, very short break and then do a kick set of just like 50 or 100 yards and then repeat. Now, when you do intervals at threshold, above threshold and it burns, um, the school of weightlifting, of increasing power, increasing strength, will say uh, three sets is fine. They'll even go down to one set if you do it really, really well is good. But um, the first time you do this workout, the Holy Grail, you might have trouble doing it more than twice. After you do it a couple times, you'll be able to do it three times. Uh, after you do that a couple more times, um, you'll find that uh, four times is doable. And then it's questionable four sets of this uh, is actually any good at all. Oh, and then you cool down with um, a couple hundred yards of uh, integrating everything back together and connecting everything and making it smooth. Every swim drill that you do, you should do the drill and then immediately go back to swimming freestyle or whatever your race stroke is for whatever you swim and put it back into, put what you learned by doing the drill. So you're doing like a long fingertip glide, a drag, um, one arm, you know, breathing on the other side that you're, that you're not used to. You wanna, you wanna do that and then immediately go back and put it into your uh, regular race stroke. So you're like, okay, now connect the dots. 
and let's let's uh, fold this in is what I like to say and you want to do it as fast as possible that's why I said you know you drop the pool boy right in the middle of doing a hard set and then finish out with full freestyle with the kick okay so that's the holy grail that's uh, something I give my coaching clients I am all booked up at the moment with coaching clients and that is a uh, really really good thing I love putting that in their schedule uh, one thing I do is I do workouts and then I test out workouts and see how um, how great they are. I find workouts, test them out, and then I put them in uh, athlete schedules, which is pretty cool. Okay, now um, what makes an Ironman? This is really cool. So after Whistler, there was a news story, Ironman Whistler, that I did. And there was, uh, and my buddies, uh, this is tri army soldiers out there, I guess. Uh, ninjas sent it to me they go check this out so a guy broke his chain on the long climb that's like an hour and a half climb hour and 15 minutes climb broke his chain uh and didn't have a chain break tool to connect to take out a bad link and put in a new link or maybe his derailleur broke i forgot but whatever he was stuck so uh two teenage kids that were cyclists um, probably mountain bikers i bet hang out in the area watching um dove in helped him out fixed his bike and uh, but he only had one gear <laughs> up that big climb, and I'm sure it wasn't a very fun gear. Um, the climb is ridiculous. I ran out of gears, and I was running a 30, 36, 28, 36 in the front, 28 in the rear, and and I ran out of gears and a couple of sections of that thing. And so he uh, he finished the bike, and that just thrashes your legs to only have one uh, gear. Um, especially if it's too big at times. It just burns up your legs. And he went on to continue the run. So all of a sudden, his Ironman story is he finished an Ironman. Uh, it wasn't like his overall time, because that's not the story anymore. Overall story is he finished an Ironman in spite of his bike breaking, and he had to ride with only one gear. And that's actually happened to me. I was out on a long training ride, and just an hour into it, my chain broke or something. My derailleur broke or something, so I had to put it in one gear. And uh, I rode the rest of the ride in a, a little bit oversized gear and at times. And my legs were so thrashed that, that evening and the next few days. So I can only imagine this guy's running a marathon after all that with uh, legs that are pretty cooked. And he did it. He finished the race and that became his story. And when somebody tweeted that at me and I tweeted back, um, when I read it, that is real Iron Man. Because real Iron Man, the whole point of Iron Man, after you initially succeed and you do one, right? You're like, I finished an Iron Man. You know, I can do it, right? You do one. Um, but really, after that, because that's fine. Just, you know, that's fine as a goal. That's a great goal. Um, but if you continue doing Iron Man's, it eventually becomes, how do I do an Ironman in spite of everything working against me? And that's a, uh, that's a, a condensed version of the world. How do you succeed when everything is conspiring against you? you got McDonald's trying to sell you Happy Meals. you got uh, people putting bad food in your fridge. You've got meetings that you, know, you can't go work out. You're tired because you got a new baby and it's pooping all night and screaming and stuff like that. So how do, you, how do you succeed when the world uh, conspires against you? And in short events, like say a 50-yard freestyle swim or a 5K, 
Um, you really don't get that experience because they're too short. You might have, you might have one thing go wrong, and if it does, then your whole race is kind of shot, right? But in Ironman, really the the unspoken um, beauty of Ironman is that the whole point is that it is so long that there is going that is guaranteed to have many unfortunate events. They should call it unfortunate man. There's going to be many, many unfortunate events that happen in the race and it is a test of willpower. Iron Man is a test of willpower that you keep going in spite of all the things that have gone wrong. You're starting to get a blister, you and that's a that's a that's a really painful. I was about to say that's a weak one, but that's actually really painful. Um, you're starting to get cramps. Uh, you drop your nutrition bottle. Um, you're starting to get sunburn. Um, you're getting dehydrated. Your heart rate's through the roof. Uh, you you're bonking. People. Some people say that once you bonk, it's over. No, it ain't over. You just slow down for about uh, 15, 20 minutes. Take on some gel with a lot of water. And um, you'll feel your energy come back on. Now, how do you finish an Ironman if you bonked? I I started getting bonky at the end of the bike ride at Whistler, and then uh, I survived, you know. And then um, you start the run, and uh, a few miles in, in my case, my obstacle was um, my plantar fasciitis was murdering my feet, and uh, my vision was narrowing uh, down to tunnel vision because. I was low on energy and I probably overfueled with the wrong stuff, right? So how do you run a marathon when you've uh, just kind of, well, like when, when you're uh, struggling, right? Um, when you've thrown up from overfueling, uh, you've wrecked on your bike, right? I've done that in a half Ironman, uh, wrecked really nasty on my bike, covered in blood, uh, people going, ugh, you know, but you paid for this, you're in it. Uh, to finish, you know, how do you keep running when you, uh, when you're injured? And so Ironman is, uh, it's what you do. It trains you to learn what do you do when things aren't going your way, right? It's a forced environment. You've paid a ton of money. You've trained all year for this thing. Now things start going wrong, right? What do you do? How bad do you want it? And then in that environment, you learn to get over your fears. You learn how to ask people for help, you know, to put yourself out there, to admit that you're failing. And then um, you get over that. And then the next thing you know, you're able to do that in your daily life. And that makes you a much better person. And that's the whole point of Ironman. For example, um, I'm showing up to work right now. The first thing I'm doing, we got a big project going on at work that's a multi-day, may even take a couple weeks, big project, pieces moving all over the place. I'm in charge of a part of it. First thing I'm doing, and I did this yesterday too, is I go into my boss's office and I ask him, how am I failing? What what, what am I doing wrong uh, so I can fix it, right? And I don't say it like that. I don't say how am I failing because that's a negative language. But that's the whole point. I go in and I say, hey boss, just checking in. Um... I'm doing this. Uh, is there something I should be doing differently? And he'll say, yeah. 
<laughs> yesterday I asked him that and he said, oh, we had this meeting. Did you hear that there's all this stuff going wrong? And I said, no, I had no idea. And he said, yeah, you better get on it. And it was because I went and found him and asked. Okay, that's what Iron Man, that's how Iron Man makes you a better person. And the real point of Iron Man and uh, real Iron Man right there is what I tweeted when I saw that news story. Uh, let's see, I also have, I thought, I said I would mention, I got a box from Leatherman. Leatherman is, uh, I think, partners with Sunto. They're owned by the same parent company maybe now. And I love Leatherman. When Leatherman came out with the Micra years ago, I went and got one immediately and put it on my keychain. I've gone through like two of them over the years. Um, only two because they're freaking hardcore. And uh, they're really, really handy. And they kind of set off the whole revolution of, of plier pliers built into knives. But that's not what I'm looking at. Um, what I'm looking at is the Neo headlamp. They sent me a box uh, with several. There are different colors. Blue, green, orange, and pink. Emily immediately wanted the pink. Um, the cool thing is, as soon as I opened the box, I knew it was uh, Bill Porter from Sunto said, um, I'm going to send you some headlamps for you to check out. So I knew they were headlamps. But when I opened the box, I was like, oh, damn, dude, I love these because I bought this exact same headlamp a few years ago when I was uh, training for the Rocky Raccoon Ultra Marathon and running, and I was out running at night in the winter. And um, you can hear me fiddling through the box. And uh, I, I already picked one of these out years uh, a couple years ago um, out of the selection because I like it. And I lost it actually. I don't know where it is. And, um, it's cool that when I, when I opened it, I was like, oh man, I already know. I love these. So they're called the Neo headlamp N E O. And I uh, opened them up last night and then I put one by my bedside, uh, on my uh, table, my lamp table next to my bed, because you get up in the middle of the night and you can't see, you're looking for, uh, uh, you know, what's going on for whatever reason you're getting up, you're getting up in the morning. Um, you can hold the headlamp in your head, you don't, on your, in your hand. You don't have to wear it on your head. And you uh, use it as a flashlight if you want um, in your hand. But then uh, you start needing your hands and you don't want to turn on all the lights to wake up uh, your spouse or your kids. Then you just throw it on your head and now your hand's free walking around the house getting everything together. And if you went for a run or on the, on the bike, what's super cool, the Neo headlamp has a rear a, a blinky light on the back. So if I went out running or got on my bike then I would have um, a blinky red light on the back as well as the light on the front, which is super cool. And, of course, it's got, like, two levels, three levels, and all kinds of stuff. But the colors are cool. I'm going to show the two I got, the green and the orange, and let a coworker who runs a lot and runs sometime at night um, see if she wants to uh, pick one of these colors and use it for a while. Then maybe we'll interview her on how she likes it. All right, got to go into W to the ERK. Out, bang. All right, let's talk about some latex tubes. But before we do that, I wanted to uh, just give a quick shout out to an article I saw that finally described correctly the, uh, that gave the right keyword to something. Uh, there was an article on triathlete.com, triathlete.competitor.com, anyway, triathlete magazine online, about how much to kick while doing your triathlon race swim. And this goes right along with our get to the bottom of it scientific fact-finding episode theme today. And 
the key is that they used a word called passive. They didn't say passively, but they said passive. And what that means is if you kick, uh, kick normally, kick aggressively, then um, yeah, you're burning up your legs, which you need for the bike and the run later on that day. And if you don't kick at all, well, that actually messes up your swim form. And that is the key that if you kick kind of passively, like you kick, but you're just not that into it, uh, then each kick helps you throw your arm over and it helps balance out your stroke and then it helps lift your legs up. But And then that that makes you swim a lot faster or else your feet start to drag. And then the, the whole point is that if you just kick passively, you kick, but kick passively, then you will swim fast and you will, you'll probably swim about as 95% as fast as if you kicked hard. <laughs> and then you will, uh, um, you will save your legs for the, uh, for the run, uh, for the bike and the run. And I remember on swim team, yeah, we, we kicked, you know, did kick drills and everything like that, but you only kicked hard when you were doing an actual race. And we're talking like 50, 50 yards, hundred meters, you know, 200 meters. And then the longer the race, uh, the less you would, uh, kick. It's like turbo and it wears you out. Okay. The thing about latex tubes. So this, uh, comes into contention because people argue about latex tubes and should you run latex tubes or not? And, uh, you can, uh, not really know the answer. So I dug up all the facts. So I'll tell you the facts about latex tubes, how they're faster and how in weird ways they're not. And then you can decide if it's actually worth it to you. I was a little bit unaware of, uh, one number that may actually make me change my mind. So I'm kind of glad I did this one bit. So latex tubes, um, The tubes that you normally use in a bicycle tire are butyl, B-U-T-Y-L, rubber, butyl rubber. And compared to latex, it's the black. It's the black uh, inner tubes that you normally see all over the place. And the, um, compared to, compared to latex tubes, butyl tubes are more rigid, which means that the energy it takes to deflect them on pavement you know, to deform them actually is what I mean. It resists deformation. And so what that means is when you roll them across pavement, of course, the part that's contacting the pavement flattens out, right? Well, it's resisting that flattening out. It does not like it. And that causes uh, resistance and that slows you down. It's kind of like running with your heels down um, and breaking yourself. But that's in comparison, it's, it's fine as it is, but when you com- it's more resistant to forward motion when you compare it to latex tubes. Latex tubes, if you ever get your hands on one, uh, they, uh, for whatever reason, they always come in a weird color like pink or green, and they look the same shape and everything as a, a regular bicycle inner tube, except they're floppy, and they just flop around kind of like a condom. Uh, oddly enough, it's just limp and falls over flat. Now what that, the reason it does that is because it doesn't resist shape change anywhere near as much as butyl rubber does. So you use that as an inner tube. Uh, it 
actually feels uh, while you're riding, you can actually feel the difference. The, uh, the road feels a little bit more supple. And the, uh, the other thing is yeah, it kind of absorbs bumps maybe a little bit better, maybe. But yeah, the road feels supple. Um, and I mean, really, that's about it feel-wise. So it's kind of like this gourmet thing. And uh, it doesn't resist rolling as much. So the question is, is should you use these in, uh, in your training or in racing? Okay, so I dug around and found a pretty good description of uh, latex tubes, um, a review of you know one latex versus butyl. And it says, if you want pure speed, latex inner tubes are definitely worth the trouble. When making a correction for average road bike speed of 23 miles per hour, uh, which is 36 kilometers per hour, and a tire pressure of 120 PSI, a pair of latex inner tubes have four watts less rolling resistance. And if you go down to uh, lower tire pressures, uh, it'll get up to five watts. And that's total. That's both tires together will add up to four watts. And then, of course, they didn't (laughs) say... You know, how much time does that actually save you? So I went and dug it up. How much time does it actually save you? What is four to four to five watts? And that ends up being 90 seconds, a minute and a half over an Ironman. An entire Ironman, latex tubes are only going to save you 90 seconds. Now, for some people, that's a big deal. You got to ask yourself, is... <laughs> Am I a big deal? Is it worth it to me? Because the trade-offs with dealing with latex is that they lose air faster. They lose 10 to 20, probably 10, 15 PSI every day. Every day. So you have to pump them up almost pretty much every single ride. So is it worth your time and wearing out a pump, you probably won't wear out a pump. I haven't really worn out a pump doing it. But airing up latex uh, tubes every single ride. Now, I have I put latex tubes in some of my race wheels a long time ago. And I end up training on my race wheels all the time. So I've been dealing with latex tubes on and off in one wheel and not the other. You know, whatever. Both wheels, no wheels, butyl. Uh, for years now. And the practical experience is it is a pain in the ass to have to air up your tubes every ride. Um, the oh, Another upside is they are a little bit more flat resistant. So because the butyl is less rigid, I mean the uh, latex is less rigid, uh, you start to get a puncture, it will uh, not puncture as fastly because it's not fighting back like the butyl does and doesn't, you know, like if you, with your hand, if you punch something soft, Right, you're not going to break it, but if you punch something hard that's more rigid, you might fracture it. Uh, whatever you punch, like a board, right? A board versus a pillow. Think of that. The latex being the pillow. So then, the other problem is, is putting in latex tubes is more difficult. If you don't get them in uh, correctly, um, you can actually tear them somehow um, against the rim and the tire bead, and you're like, okay, well. Yeah, I mean, that happens on a rare occasion. What kind of problem is that? You know, I'm willing to sacrifice. Well, latex tubes are like $17, $18 a piece. A piece. And 
oh man, it can it can get just kind of nuts, you know. And then the other thing is is if you you can't carry a latex tube as a spare. Uh, so you got to carry a butyl tube as a spare anyways. Latex leaks. You think latex leaks regular air, which is mostly nitrogen, out uh, overnight. Um, if you use a CO2 cartridge, a carbon dioxide cartridge, to, uh, to inflate a tube out on the road, and uh, it's a latex tube, it's going to lose its air in about several minutes because uh, I've done it. I didn't know this and I did it out in the field one time when I had a flat and uh, I had a problem. That was uh, bizarre. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was going on until I went and researched it. So five watts total, 90 seconds over an Ironman. 90 seconds. Is that worth reinflating all the time and the stress of dragging a pump around to inflate uh, your tires um, I actually thought it was several minutes, like five minutes over the course of a ride. And now that I find out that it's only 90 seconds, you know what? I might be kind of like, uh, stay away from that. And then the other thing is you could say, well, uh, we could do it, um, you know, just in my race wheels, just on race day. Well, if you don't practice with what you're with what you race on, you get out of practice, and then you're you forget things like, uh, man, how to you know how to put them in and take them out when, under under pressure on the race, and maybe it's just better to stick with something that works great instead of something that works amazingly great, right? And then they make uh, they make thinner ultralight uh, butyl tubes as well. I don't know how much those, I know they're kind of like halfway in between as far as uh, savings of speed and resistance. So that's it. All right. I got to hop on out of here and skadoosh. So I hope you uh, learned something there and we all learned something. I learned something just digging it up. All right, let's move on. All right, let's go ahead and read off some names of show supporters, donors, and Users of the Hornet Juice, which I'll get into in just a minute. Hornet Juice is an amino acid powder. It's like a protein powder you add to your to your fuel for massive amounts of fuel, but we'll cover that in a minute. Uh, let's see. Justice Phillips sent in a donation. Oh, by the way, if you find the show beneficial to your life and you want to support uh, Zentri, then it's really easy. You can go to zentriathlon.com. You can find a huge list of all the old episodes and uh, interviews and you can um, find a list of sponsors that we've got on there and then you can donate to the show on the left hand side which is really cool and you can also get some hornet juice on the right hand side if you scroll down a little bit I believe there's a uh, logo for that and it'll take you right to the hornet juice uh, page and either way you do either one of those uh, you've got my email address and you can uh, send me an email question, which we'll get to in a second. So Justice Phillips sent in a donation. Thanks, man. I coached him for a while trying to do a 100-mile trail run race. That was crazy. And Lonnie has a question for us. She sent in. It says, hey, Brett, exclamation point. Thanks for the great podcast. I enjoyed your recent episode about data. Yeah, I went into detail about all the data that you can use. You can train by numbers, which is really cool. In particular, with using the Garmin watches. I just cashed in my Amazon points for a 735 XT. 
it's complicated. Uh, what do we do with all the numbers? <laughs> Thanks in advance. Keep up the great work. Okay, well, first off, um, go look for a review of it online. Video reviews, always, always videos. YouTube, uh, DC Rainmaker, DC Rainmaker does great reviews. Usually he does a run-through of how a device works, so you kind of get an idea of that. And also, okay, so it's going to generate a ton of numbers, and if you hook it up to Training Peaks, uh, it will dump all those numbers in there, so you kind of want to look at the numbers, right? So here's uh, just a few things. Um, cadence. If you look at your cadence going out for a jog, and then you look at your cadence going out and racing a 5K, your cadence for a 5K is really, really high. Or a bike race, right? Uh, your cadence is really high. A swim race, your cadence is really high. And um, if you just look at your workouts, they're a lot lower a lot of the times. Well, why aren't you doing in your workouts what you do in the race, right? Shouldn't you be doing that so that uh, you're familiar with it and you do it better? So you can use those numbers to do... Um, intervals at the uh, faster cadences, and you wouldn't know those numbers unless you go look at them. Let's see, you can use all the metrics like time and distance to make sure you don't overdo it. Training Peaks has a uh, feature that you can add to the end of your week with some summary data, and that will um, uh, let you know how many miles you've ran, how many bike miles you've ridden, how many hours you put in, how many yards or meters, you've swam, swam, swim, swam, swam, and um, you can make sure, you can use these numbers to make sure that you're not overdoing it from one week to the next, and of course, mileage is one thing, time is one thing, but how hard you did those miles is a whole other thing, so your watches, 735, uh, combined with Garmin's website, uh, and the mapping should give you elevation, I think, gain, of what you went up so you can make sure that you don't and it'll show it on the watch too it can show your your elevation gain as you're working out and you can make sure you don't increase your elevation gain uh, too much too soon uh, Adam is a guy I'm coaching a uh, longtime athlete that I've been coaching off and on for years and he started training again and where he is it's just a ton of hills and I could tell by the numbers by the graphs in Training Peaks. It was like, whoa, whoa, holy cow, man. Be careful out there. You know, don't overdo it. And I could tell that from the numbers without ever being there. Oh, you might be able, I don't know, 735 probably didn't do temperature. But let's see. I'm trying to think of some other numbers. The thing is, is turn on all the numbers and start looking at them and get familiar with your numbers at different um, phases of how you feel and um, use them to make sure that you're not doing too much or too little. And um, then on race day, show those numbers and stay within the numbers that you usually do. That's another one. Uh, and uh, So you don't blow up and are on a huge training day. And that will uh, let you know if you're doing something longer, you know, there's no miracles on race day is a common saying. And those numbers will, um, if, you, if in training you're averaging a nine-minute mile on kind of your harder, faster runs, you're not going to average an eight-and-a-half-minute mile on your trail run race that's 30 miles, <laughs> you know. It's just not going to happen. 
So, uh, but if you stay within the numbers and you know your numbers, uh, then you'll um, you'll uh, do a whole lot better, whole lot better. And then it's okay to not use some numbers. There's this stuff, uh, these running metrics that. Uh, if you have the Garmin heart rate strap and maybe some other brands have it uh, where it, it gets all kinds of extra metrics added in there. You pay extra for these higher end heart rate straps. Um, man, people kind of, eh, they're just kind of like, well, that's interesting, but I don't really need to use it that much. So let's go back to Alan Lim, who uh, taught me how to use a power meter. He's one of the inventors of the modern power meter. And he said, ride with it for a few months. Look at the numbers. Learn yourself first before you start trying to use the numbers to, uh, you know, modify your body because you need to know your body first. All right. Hope that answers your question. And let's move on. Andrea M. Send in a donation. Simon Wright. How's it going? Karen Jackson. Daniel Clemens. Michael Radogna. I always say rag. It's not. It's Radogna. And... Brian Shepper, Jonathan Woodman, and now we have one from Joe Deber with an, oh, golly, it's an email. Hold on, I need to take a drink for this one. Ready? I'll drink away from the mic for you people. Okay. Congrats on the Ironman Canada finish. One of the things I love about, oh, well, thank you. Uh, one of the things I love about triathlon is a chance to participate right alongside the pros. There isn't any other sport in which you can do that. That is correct. Ironman Canada, I took a dump, this is Brett speaking, right before Andy Potts did, and Andy Potts ended up winning the race. So we were talking about at my house that we should make up t-shirts that say, I beat Andy Potts in a race to the crapper, <laughs> and fine print down at the bottom. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I love it, man. I love it, love it, love it that um, you're in races with the uh, pros. I've been in the swim start with pros. I go, you're James Bonney. And he looked at me and he goes, yeah. I go, oh, I'm Brett. <laughs> okay, let's see. Um, I was able to chase a few of the pro women on the bike. Oh, I'm in Arizona. Yeah, sorry, I went off on my tangent. In November, I was able to chase a few of the pro women on the bike for about five minutes at a time until my legs started screaming. Yeah, I've done that too. <laughs> you think, oh, maybe I'll be able to keep up with them. <laughs> no. Uh, Starkey also sped past me at one point. Although he was such a blur that I felt like I was sitting still. This past July, I did Ironman, I did Vineman 70.3. It is a point-to-point -point race. So other than seeing the pro start, I didn't get to compete against them for the remainder of the day. My wife and daughter were waiting at the finish when the pros started coming in. Knowing that he is my favorite pro, my wife approached Andy Potts to ask for a photo with my daughter almost immediately after his post-victory interview. He couldn't have been a nicer guy I was participating in the race uh, to raise money for the Scleroderma Foundation, an incurable autoimmune disease that my wife has. Oh, man. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, my wife's uh, type 1 diabetes is kind of an autoimmune. Your body attacks your pancreas. And, uh, and I got vitiligo not too long ago, but I managed to fight it off, it looks like, by changing my diet. So Andy noticed that my wife had a shirt on with the Scleroderma scleroderma foundation logo and started chatting with her about the charity he then offered without my wife asking to make a video of us of support for me after i crossed the finish line a few hours later it was the first thing my wife showed me i attached the video in the email yeah so this video is so cool it's uh andy potts just 10 seconds long maybe 20 30 seconds saying 
come on, Joe, you got this, man. Thanks for racing. Thanks for what you do. Um, congratulations on your day. I love you, man. You know, something like that. And it's bonafide Andy Potts doing it uh, without being asked to do it. He just did it. It was really cool. Uh, keep up the good work on the show and good luck with the healing for plantar fasciitis. I know from experience that it can be frustrating, but you will overcome. That's right. Uh, Joe, a.k.a. not Bieber, Deber, Diver, Deber, Diver. And he said, P.S. Thanks for introducing me to Amrita Bars. Discount code Zentry. Uh, I use them as a pre-workout snack for either early morning swim sessions or early afternoon cycling. They provide a great tasting, quick calorie kick. Yeah, later in the show, we got a bunch about Amrita bars. I gave one to Kai when he felt like crap on a long bike ride, and it turned him around in just a few minutes. And then we had one of our best bike rides together as a father-son, and it was really cool. So thank you, Joe Deber and Tyler Moyer. Send in a donation, Spirosfetsis from Illinois sent in a donation. Matthew Crayon, M. Webb. Oh, we're going to have a lot of donors because last episode we did so much Iron Man Canada stuff that we didn't get to this part of the show. Uh, Brett Hoyer, James Von Hippel, El Senor Sognia, Sognia, uh, Katie Joe, how you doing? James Godek, Brian Kemper, Todd Nelson with a question. Uh, this is in reply. I, uh, he ordered Hornet Juice, and I wrote back, here's your Hornet Juice. It's on its way. And he said, thanks, man, exclamation point. With Ironman training, I go through about eight packets per week. Do you mind answering a question? Question mark. Oh, <clears throat> there's an exclamation point after the eight packs per week. Uh, I am racing Ironman Madison, Wisconsin, and my training is going pretty well. During the third week prior to the race, I'll be working out of town for a week and working long hours each day. Uh, Oh, that's like a peak training week. Mm. I do not feel I will have much time for workouts during that week. The exception of maybe short 30 to 60 minute workouts. What do you suggest? Do I do a front and back a uh, load week with large volume weekends. Yes, you definitely do that. So what he's asking is, do I, dude, crush yourself before that week of uh, of doing work where you're out of town and working long hours? Crush, crush yourself before that. Uh, just blow yourself out. Um, don't get injured, but really wear yourself out, and you will need that week to uh, recover from that. And the short workouts you do get in will uh, be nice. And then, um, and by crush yourself, hmm, I'm trying to think, either long volume or big intensity, hmm, maybe just as much volume as you can get in, and then the appropriate intensity for the amount of volume you can do. And um, then during that week, you won't care. <laughs> And you'll have no guilt, and you'll be able to do your uh, work stuff. No problem. You'll be glad you're at work. And then when you pick back up, the two weeks after, start tapering down and uh, do you know proper tapers, do some uh, higher intensity stuff like the second week, and then completely back off the uh, last week. And that's really the most you can do. And uh, also, don't feel bad about it. That's uh, the. Don't go in an Ironman regretting anything, man. The fact that you got to the start line is pretty badass. And there are people there that are dealing with just the same amount of schedule problems and um, 
and issues or more or way more than uh, what you had to deal with. And they're there. So just enjoy it. All right. I mean, I did Ironman Wisconsin. Ironman, uh, I've done Ironman Wisconsin too. That's a cool race. I've done, uh, I did Ironman Canada just the other day with uh, knowing that I was injured in my feet and that the run was going to suck. And just like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> I'm going to do what I can. And uh, that's just the right attitude to have. And on the run, I just had fun, as much fun as I could have, enjoying the, the scenery and the people and stuff. And Matthew Heinz, what's up, dude? How you doing? Uh, that's Aggie right there. Katie, um, she says, I am looking at possibly doing a full Ironman distance. Do you have any particular race suggestions for a first Ironman, preferably somewhere in the U.S. to start? Uh, any tips for picking an Ironman distance race in general? Hi to the family, and we're going to count the exclamation points. She did this on purpose. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 exclamation points. Top that. And don't believe somebody's going to send in 19. Okay, so you have first, you have to decide does it really matter if you do an Ironman brand Ironman distance uh, race? Because there's other ones out there. There's Challenge, there's uh, Hits, is another one. Okay, then if you want success, you want to avoid, uh, for your first one, you want to avoid hills and and uh, first, you want to avoid um, oh, hills and heat are kind of an even match. So you definitely want to avoid hills and heat. So you are looking for a cooler weather race. Now, if you go cold weather race, um, there's a few of those. I've done a cold, cold Ironman, and that's pretty brutal. And, uh, oh, man, especially if it starts raining, you're pretty screwed. So that can be uh, pretty bad, too. And so you kind of want something in between. And, um, for example, the one or two races that people have their fastest results in is Ironman Florida. And then I think there's an off-brand, like, uh, I'm not sure what the name of it is, in Florida as well. And it's in November, I believe. So it's actually pretty nice. And uh, just, you know. Haven't had it, like uh, just out there on a beautiful day, cooler weather. Uh, the water might be kind of cold, so you kinda, you're kind of you going to have to get a wetsuit to do one of these cooler races. But anyway, when I'm looking to PR a race, what I'm basically doing is I'm looking for the easiest race there is. And the two races that come to mind are ones in Florida and Sweden. Southern Sweden, is a even though it's in the summer, it's a cooler race. It's windy, but it's cool and flat. And that one just went down. So, yeah. That's the answer to your question. Uh, do we do? Oh, we're back around again to some uh, donations from the last show. Dwayne Moore and Hunchu and Joseph Rogalski and Richard Trago. All right. What's up, Hunchu? How you doing? The, uh, the other thing I needed to mention before we get into the training low is Hornet Juice. So Hornet Juice is an amino acid powder. They are, might be the longest sponsor of the show. Um, I heard about them. I emailed them. Uh, a friend and I emailed them. We're like, is this stuff for real? Because this is pretty cool. And they said, yeah, we'd love to uh, sponsor your show. And they um, they do an amino acid blend that's a, the exact replica of a real-world amino acid blend that is found in the saliva of Japanese killer hornets. No joke. 
Japanese killer hornets are the heaviest bugs that fly the longest distance. So power to weight ratio is off the charts with these guys. It's the most in the world, or at least the most for uh, insects. And they, um, the amino acid in their saliva uh, dissolves, uh, they use it to dissolve fat, and then that gives them tons and tons of energy. And they uh, figured this out in a lab, and they broke apart the ratios of amino acids, took those amino acids. You can go get those amino acids. You can figure them out and get them and uh, put, them in a, put them in a powder blend and put them in little packets. And one packet lasts an hour and a half for you. And I have used it and been giving it to friends and people have been ordering it for years here off Zentri with tons and tons of raving results. And what's super cool is you can just use like Gatorade, for example, right? It doesn't have any amino acids in it. Amino acids, again, is protein. You just add a packet of Hornet juice and um, – because if you add it to something that already has protein in it, well, then the ratios get off, right? It's it's not just the amino acids. It's the ratio of of these certain amino acids to each other. So you don't want to take it with other protein stuff. So it's so simple. You can add it to CarboPro, maltodextrin, honey, uh, like I said, Gatorade. And now you've got fuel with rocket burn in it. And Oh, it's not rocket, though. It's weird. It feels like you're a diesel engine. It's crazy. You just have energy and energy and energy. And it's that huge, powerful burn um, from your body fat being turned on. I remember the first time I used it, uh, Triboomer said something to me. He goes, man, dude, you were just off the front all day cycling today. We're doing a huge group ride. And I was like, man, this is Hornet juice stuff. It's crazy. Uh, also, I need to give out a warning. Hornet juice is not to be used in the bedroom. They don't say anything about using it in the bedroom. I don't necessarily discourage it, but I'm just telling you that's not what it is for. So if you buy it and you do it for that, I don't know what's going to happen, but you better be up on your damage deposit because if two triathletes get it on and they're both taking Hornet juice, I feel sorry for the land owner and what y'all might do to that room because it's going to be going on for hours and hours and hours it's probably be crazy in there okay i always have to mention that people really enjoy that part and also uh hornet juice you can get it in um at zentri zentriathlon.com you uh click on the hornet juice logo it's purple and yellow and you can get either a 10 pack or a 20 pack i need to check and see if they're bringing back the 60 and the 100 somebody asked me about that um but order i get several orders a day and um the, uh, the cool thing is you get something that's really fun and cool, and it comes from New Zealand, and it's, it's kind of a novelty. You like, show it to your friends. You go, I got this Japanese killer hornet saliva. This is crazy. And then uh, your friends will be impressed, and, um, and it also it works. It works really well. And then also you're supporting Zentri because Hornet Juice sends me back a very small portion of what, uh, what you bought. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to drink my, my uh, drink. They sent me back a little portion of what you bought, and that goes in to help support the show. All right, that's it. Let's go ahead and get started with the training log. We've got lots of fun stuff in here. Swim tips, nutrition tips, um, pedaling. I go on a rant about bike pedaling and flat pedals versus uh, clipping clip pedals. And so much more. All right, let's go. All right, we are rolling. I'm going to record something. I'm going to try to cram it in on my way to W to the ERK. And uh, 
Yeah, this one's interesting because this is your uh, scientific tip, scientific insight, and also your moment of zen all wrapped in one. Because what I'm about to tell you might upset you. And if it does, then there is a uh, zen lesson to learn from it as well, which is cool. If you feel, <laughs> if you get upset, you're about to feel good. Because what, what I'm about to tell you is how I've been biking with uh, flat pedals on my bike, which is very counterculture to what goes on in most uh, high-end performance cycling, uh, as we know it, road cycling especially. Um, and your reaction to that uh, is either uh, indifferent or that's interesting. Huh, you know, good for him. Or very often in this kind of situation, uh, people get upset when somebody does something differently than the norm. And the reason why they get upset is, um, I'll, try, I'll, I'll think of some examples while I'm talking here, but if I do something differently than what, than what you're doing, um, and you've really bought into, uh, the, uh, type A way to do it, and I'm doing it type B, and type B ends up working just as well, then, uh, subconsciously, uh, your ego is angry because it's constructed a whole reality and invested money. For example, that's a big one right there. And time and defensiveness and uh, effort and sweat equity into the type A way of doing things. And if type B works fine, then two things result. Um, uh, the type A way is both, uh, could be, this is all your opinion, could be wrong and, um, therefore you've been doing it wrong. I'm telling you like your, your subconscious, your ego like thinks this way. You don't even realize it at the, at, at the surface level. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> And the other thing is for you to be right, to change over, then you have to um, change. I just said the word twice. Change. It's different than what you've invested all this time and money in. And that's uncertainty. It's something you're not familiar with. And therefore, it's dangerous. And that is upsetting. And that's why you see people get angry over something like when somebody else is wearing a t-shirt that they don't like or somebody else is pedaling with flat pedals when everybody else and you have been riding with uh, clipless pedals and um, the, uh, somebody else is wearing an aero helmet on, uh, on a training ride, right? And uh, you get angry, that, that person looks like a fool, you know? <laughs> it's like... But what somebody else is doing has nothing to do with you. It has no effect on you whatsoever. And uh, the fact that it's making you upset means um, that you're taking something that somebody else is doing and has no impact on you uh, a little bit too personally. 
So watch your emotions as I, as I describe the situation to you and know that that little psychology trick of what's going on um, with people that, that uh, get defensive and argue and say, you should, well, I'm, that's never, I already had one person go, well, this is never going to take off. And I'm like, I don't care if it takes off or not. I was just pointing out, hey, look at this. This is interesting. And uh, anyway, so let's go on with uh, the flat pedal experiment. So I've got plantar fasciitis in both feet, and um, my biking shoes are fantastic. I got some Bontrager uh, Helos, which I, wow, they're amazing. Uh, but mine are just the t- slightest bit um, uncomfortable. And um, for years and years and years, I've mountain biked off and on with uh, um, flat pedals, clipless pedals, you know. And, and I bike commute sometimes, and sometimes I go back and forth between flat pedals and clipless pedals. And I grew up riding BMX, uh, flat pedals, of course, back in the day, back in Old Army. And it just goes on and on, right? So um, I'm no stranger to flat pedals. I've also, um, I should point out, for uh, a few years, maybe a couple years, maybe a few years, I rode a fixed gear bike which um, you definitely need to pull up on. You have one gear and you can't stop pedaling and you have to slow yourself down by, by uh, pushing back on the pedals um, by using your legs. Uh, it had a brake on it. I put a front brake on it. But I would do 50-mile training rides on a fixed gear, uh, one gear, and boy, you better get really good at pulling up. When you go uphill, you need to pull up, right? So clipless pedals are really nice. I'm a big fan of clipless pedals. But also, I'm a fan of flat pedals, I've learned to uh, be indifferent and just try to pick the right ones for the right whatever. Well, anyway, with these uh, my feet problems, I decided to uh, sit down and uh, throw on some flat pedals on my on my tri bike because my tri bike just came back from the race with no pedals on it, right? Because it was being shipped. You take the pedals off. So I grabbed some flat pedals. I'm like my feet hurt, I'm just going to pedal with flat pedals and kind of see how this goes. And I put them on, on the tri bike. And this was also after, while I was uh, tapering and bored out of my freaking mind, I started uh, watching some videos and I did not seek out this video. <laughs> it just came up in the feed as, hey, check out this next video. Uh, GCN, Global Cycling Network, puts out some great videos about all kinds of cool bike stuff. And it's well well done, very well done, uh, British cycling, uh, high-end, uh, good stuff and, uh, very, very entertaining. So you guys got to watch it. So they, uh, put a, the exact same guy, exact same bike on a resistance test, uh, threshold, um, and all kinds of metrics, power, speed, uh, heart rate and all this other stuff. And, um, they did him, uh, flat pedals for, and he's an ex pro cyclist, I think. And, um, they did him flat pedals versus uh, clipless pedals to see which one was more efficient, right? So at the same speeds, um, his heart rate was a little bit higher on the flat pedals, but he said he never rides flat pedals, so his feet are kind of all over the place, which makes your heart rate kind of go up. But actually, his blood lactate and other indicators for the same amount of work was um, less. So it was actually more efficient if you take away the... Um, problems with uh, five beats per minute higher <laughs> average heart rate. Um, but the guy never rides flats, right? So the uh, uh, 
it ended up being more efficient on a cycling output test on a well-trained cyclist to ride flat pedals at a consistent, even it was progressing. It was getting harder and harder and went past threshold, you know, and all this stuff. But, uh, so it turns out, um, the whole thing about needing the clip in, uh, to generate power is not, uh, possibly not the most efficient thing. So I've been thinking about it and um, I've got all these metrics that I can measure. I, I always ride the same route. I've got a power meter, heart rate, blah, 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 all this stuff. Same bike. I'm the same Brett pretty much day to day. So I can, I can put flats on my tri bike and see which one's more efficient because in long distance triathlon, it is about efficiency. And the more efficient you are on the bike, the further you get ahead and the fresher your legs will be on the run. So I've done a few training rides. I've done long ones, short ones, whatever, and my numbers are the same or better. Uh, it's hard to tell, but they are definitely the same uh, if I ride with flat pedals versus um, clipless pedals. And on top of that, my long ride was in rainy conditions outdoors for three hours. <laughs> and I put out the same or better watts, as I always do. Uh, so it's kind of like, hmm. Now, okay, let's say I started wearing, uh, and I was wearing running shoes on um, semi-decent uh, flat pedals. They're kind of grippy. And what, what if you did a race wearing on, on uh, a long distance race, road race, triathlon on flat pedals. Um, and, oh, and there was, there's, after my testing, you know, I haven't really decided if I would do it in a race yet, a long distance race, cause I haven't signed up for one in the near future. Got my eyes on uh, mini, but I have some, I have some upsides and downsides. Um, if, if it shows that it's the exact same, uh, uh, you know, output or better, the uh, and you had to choose, it actually the answer in a lot of Zen stuff is it depends, right, on whether which one you would pick. Now, you got to go back in history and think why were clipless pedals invented? Well, clipless pedals were invented kind of around ninety, maybe late eighties, and. Uh, they were a response to the crappy pedals that we had back then. Crappy, crappy, crappy pedals. And, um, and we, had toe, we had toe straps. Back when I was a kid, you could get a road bike. I had a Schwinn Latour with toe straps on it. And that was considered pretty badass. And why would you have that? Well, you're pedaling hard to accelerate, go around a corner and hammer and try to win a sprint uh, finish and your feet uh, you want extra power to pull up and you're trying to close the gap and you're trying to get around somebody and, uh, you're hammering and, uh, um, you want uh, maximum control over the bike. Uh, you're standing and hammering hard, uh, sprinting and you don't want your feet to fly off the paddles, right? Um, all this stuff, right? Yeah. And again, close the gap, stay with somebody that's uh, sprinting off your, you're chasing down an attack, Right or trying to let an attack not get away. Very classic cycling stuff. Well, guess what? None of that ever happens in non-drafting 
long course triathlon. It just doesn't. And if you're doing that, you're not doing it right. You are wasting calories uh, that are, you're either drafting and cheating or you're, uh, you're not conserving your energy for the run like you should be. Okay, so let's back up a little bit after that. Uh, so if you bike like you should in long distance triathlon, non-draft, or even maybe Olympic, you know, or sprint, I guess, then, um, but just say, let's say non-drafting, then um, it's, an, it's an even, very even controlled output. And that is the thing about non-drafting triathlon is it's very controlled. The game is won by calculations and holding back and restraining and trying to put out your, your power as evenly as possible. Normalized power is, um, is your average power, but um, with uh, accentuated extra points added onto your power, onto your watts, um, for hard accelerations. Hard, the harder the accelerations, the more it lifts your average. And how well you raced has to do with how close your average power is, which takes in no consideration of acceleration, um, with your normalized uh, power, right? And if those, the closer those two match up, the better you're going to do, the better your bike was, the, the better your run is going to be. And so there, that's proof right there that um, clipless pedals were invented for a different type of cycling than what we're doing on this show most of the time. And since those pedals, since clipless pedals were invented, mountain biking, for whatever reason, has in the past several years uh, or more, has gone absolutely crazy with flat pedals. People are loving flat pedals and mountain biking now, and the f- flat pedals have evolved and have been uh, pretty much perfected into far better, far better pedals than they ever were before. It is difficult to lose traction on your flat pedals. Um, They're lighter, uh, thinner, uh, just made out of the best materials. There's fantastic flat pedal choices out there now. Okay, so the pedals are better and so if you went, uh, and if you're going to ride normally, like you should in a non-drafting triathlon, then, the and it's consistent effort like they did in the test, you should put out, um, uh, you should be, should be more efficient. And I could not believe it myself when I started uh, testing it. I went into it a skeptic just as much as anybody else. And I was like, there's no way. I, I rode a fixie. I pulled up. You know, I rode a fixie for for a couple of years. I pulled up. I've been riding clipless forever. I uh, I've got to pull up. I've got to be more efficient if I pull up. And then uh, three, four workouts in a row of all different kinds: interval, long, short, um, uh, uh, you know, even output. Um, the power numbers are exactly the same. So what, what's the benefit here, you know? And uh, there's one, one thing to overcome is, is uh, you know, how you look. 
because I, I went out and rode three hours wearing running shoes. <laughs> and it was, it was, I looked down and I'm like, this is freaking goofy looking compared to the norm. But you got to remember up until uh, 20, 30 years ago, um, uh, flat pedals were the norm and wearing clipless pedals you know, would, would have been weird to show up in that. People have been like, what are you doing? So everything's relative, right? And the, um, there are, uh, I had some upsides. So you can, uh, if you ride with flat pedals and running shoes, some of the upsides are you can get off your bike right then, right there, and uh, go walk into the bushes like I did on Sunday and go pee in the bushes uh, without having to walk like a duck, and then you can clip back in without having crap all in your cleats and everything. You don't have to be careful anymore. You can walk around uh, on on people's floors. You know, you don't have to walk weird or anything like that. You have a huge selection of shoes. Old, just old running shoes seem to work. And you also have um, you save money because. Even if you bought some of the most expensive pedals, they're still about half as much as combining clipless pedals and road shoes uh, together, clip, clipless shoes together. And the, uh, I'm trying to think of another thing. Oh, one amazing thing that people never think of that is huge is with flat, with, when you're clipped in, your point of contact is fixed, right? And it's fixed, since it's fixed, you really can't move forward and back on the saddle much. You kind of are stuck. Um, but with flat pedals, you can move your feet all over the pedals. You can move them forward a, an inch. You can move them back an inch. And um, you can use different muscles by moving your feet around. And, um, and then also what that does is it allows you to move forward and back on the saddle uh, to get different angles of attack kind of on the bike, um, without, uh, and, and still keep your knee position, um, uh, the same, right? So yeah, it allows you to, to uh, move front and back on the saddle a whole lot more and in your aero bars, which leads to more comfort, which is fantastic. Um, and oh, I wanted to say the thing where the guy's heart rate was a little bit higher uh, when he was first trying it out. Mine, uh, I don't know about my heart rate because my heart rate sharp wasn't working that day. But the um, the the first ride, but yeah, I was I was kind of like, oh, this is weird, you know, whatever. And I was kind of all over the pedals a little bit. But after the neck after that ride, I got into the next ride. I'd settled right in, and it was fine. It's like it's like I was clipped in. And let's see. Uh, you can put your foot down when you're starting to wreck and, uh, uh, you know, get that done. Um, even though it was raining during my three-hour ride and I was taking turns, my foot, in three hours, my feet slipped off once or twice. I can't remember. But it was statistically insignificant <laughs> because the uh, time I lost with my feet slipping off the pedals uh, once or twice, and I was wearing, I was one is I was using crappy pedals that I just grabbed off of a 20-year-old commuter bike, by the way, that a friend gave to me out of a dumpster. And the uh, uh, the time saved by being more comfortable and being able to get off the bike and, uh, you know, move my feet around and stuff like that and uh, put my foot out on a couple of turns because it was wet 
and put my foot down just a little bit to make sure I didn't fall off. So my time saved easily uh, was uh, made up for it. So there's that. <laughs> and um, the big thing is if you ever used it in a race, well, your T2 would be uh, faster. I've got a funny story. I did an Xterra triathlon. If you ever look me up on, I think it's on Facebook, my um, my avatar on Facebook is uh, me holding Kai when he's a lot smaller in my arms and he's giving me a kiss um, and I'm wearing a visor and you can tell I just finished a race. That was an off-road triathlon. That race was an off-road triathlon where I rode, um, it was kind of a mellow mountain biking course. So I rode flat pedals on kind of a beater mountain bike and I racked my bike and started running and I think my transition was around 30 seconds, my T2. So, um, yeah, you'll save a ton of time in T2. And um, I've noticed just getting on and off the bike at home on the trainer, oh, my gosh, it's so much easier. So I don't know how much longer I'm going to be riding um, flat pedals on my tri-bike. Uh, if It's interesting to, um, to uh, see people's reactions, which I haven't ridden in a group yet. Um, but, again... Uh, flat pedals on my tri bike. My last ride on Sunday, I averaged like 238 watts, I think, and 22 miles an hour. So it's the same or faster than I always do. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I can't hear you with you make saying that my shoes aren't right because I'm ahead of you and you're behind, maybe. And uh, so, like, it's just that that's. I don't mean it like that, but it's just like, I'm doing fine. Like, I don't, I don't, um, I don't, uh, I don't worry about what's nice about having numbers is you don't worry about what, um, what other people say because the proof is in the numbers, right? And it's nice. So, um, to back it all up, uh, I want to just put it out there that it's not oh the thing about triathlon is the uh, this is a sport that celebrates not doing things by orthodox we took every we take everything that cycling does right and and uh throw it out the window um traditional cycling right arrow bars camelbacks um uh running off the bike uh all kinds of crazy stuff that uh, cycling tool tool bags on the uh, bike bento boxes you know that triathlon if anything is doing things unorthodox and not doing things the way that uh, cycling uh, UCI uh, regular cycling does um, because we're a different sport and uh, you got to ask yourself anything that you're doing are you just doing it because it's dogma dogma is where you do things because that's the way somebody else uh, says you should do it. Uh, a lot of references back to the Bible. It says in the Bible that we need to do this. It's like, well, the cycling Bible, for example. And it's like, well, but why? And it's like, well, because it's faster. And it's like, has anybody tested that? <laughs> and, uh, um, oh, no, they haven't? Well, let's test it. Oh, wait, this is faster? You know? Uh, so, yeah. Um, I encourage you uh, just, I do, I do not encourage you to ride flat pedals or to go do that. What I encourage you to do is to not be afraid of trying something and seeing if it's better for you, and not just in triathlon, but in all things. And um, 
anything that somebody tells you uh, that is, is, is a fact, but they haven't checked it themselves or they got from somebody else, um, don't be rude and question it, but don't be afraid to be like, you know, I'm not really sure that's true. And then kind of dig up, dig up the answers. And, uh, for fun, I'll post that video, the GCN cycling video on flat pedals and let y'all, y'all have at it and have some fun with it. And, um, I'll continue on my journey of my, of my feet healing up. And, uh, yeah, if I was, if I was going to go do a crit race, I would definitely wear clipless pedals. But this definitely opened my eyes uh, as far as the type of racing that I usually do on whether or not I should actually wear flats. I know I wouldn't wear flats in a race like that I usually do unless I trained with them uh, to be used to them um, and, uh, and to know what's going to happen. You know, you don't want to do anything new on race day. And we'll see how that goes. I'm kind of enjoying it. It's kind of fun. All right. You can't ever get anywhere in triathlon with worrying about what other people think. I teach my uh, coaching clients that all the time. All right, I'll be back. Out, Bing. All right, homies. On my way to W to the ERK. Got a quick update. Let's see. Uh, my nephew is on cross country, and he was going to. Uh, he stayed at our house last night because his dad was working on stuff and needed some some quiet. It's a long story. And um, last night, uh, his grandmother, Emily's mom. Uh, said, well, I'll, I'll drive you there in the morning, and Jaron has a bike, and we've got these new headlamps. And I said, no, he's biking. There's nothing wrong with the weather. It's like a mile. <laughs> like, he is biking <laughs> to uh, to uh, cross-country practice in the morning. I got a picture of him, put him on Instagram, and uh, saying I'm proud of him. I had a moment with him before he left. I go, hey, come here. Did you biking to cross-country practice is badass. And people are watching you. Kai is watching you. Jaron is, uh, he's 15, 14. And I said, you're setting a really good example, man. Get after it. And he goes, thanks. Really? Thanks. And I go, yeah, dude, go. And uh, that's, uh, you know, coming from above and below. So me coming from above as an older guy saying, um, hey, what you're doing is awesome. And then also putting Jaron in the place of being the older guy and saying, look, people below you are uh, watching and you're setting the example for them. Trying to instill in him the uh, motivation to keep doing it, which is not difficult. He's probably the most gifted athlete in our entire family. He's pretty badass. And uh, on top of that, uh, got a... Oh, this is possible because of the headlamps we got from Leatherman. So pretty rad. I showed him how to turn it on and then he's got a uh, blinky red light in the back built into the headlamp. So that was pretty cool. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And on top of that, um, I got a whole bunch of you can last night. They sent me a sampler pack. So we're going to go through each flavor and I'm going to tell you uh, what it's like and how I used them over the next few shows or more. It's a bunch of stuff, man. I put a picture on Instagram of uh, the eight pound box of all the different varieties of stuff. So a little bit of everything. Um, so today, well, there's all the different flavored powders and unflavored and then some powders with protein. There's some electrolyte drink mix and then there's bars and you can is super starch. So it's like super slow drip. I was trying to explain it to Emily last night and I think she finally got it. And, uh, then 
to like try and explain to her how to use it. Uh, so anyway, I got up this morning and I had a cup of coffee, like I always do. Uh, right before I had my coffee, I had a spoonful of peanut butter, big heaping spoon of uh, peanut butter. And there's your uh, fat, carbs, very slow acting carbs and protein kind of all in one and uh, enjoyed a cup of coffee to wash it down slowly. And after the coffee was done, I made up a, um, a cup. I just stirred it with a spoon. I should have put it in a shaker bottle and or just a bottle, water bottle and drank it. But anyway, I made up a serving, a packet, which is 130 calories, I believe, of the blueberry pomegranate you can. Um, I don't think I've had that flavor before. But anyway, that was the first one I picked out. I was like, mm, I'm going to try this one. And it was pretty dang good. And goes down really fast. Just drink it. Um, the thing about you can is you just, you, you can drink it all at once. You know, you don't have to meter it out. It meters itself out, which is really a convenience thing. And then I really enjoy not having a whole bunch of sugar in my mouth that I have to worry about cavities. And cause I got enough of that crap going on right now from the years of Gatorade and whatever. And then what happened after that? I, uh, Oh, about half an hour later, I got on the bike and um, knocked out one of my best uh, bike rides, you know, typical good bike ride on the trainer, watching Zwift, riding on Zwift, and just a, just kind of a casual, moderate ride, and I was bouncing off the walls and uh, just uh, loaded with ener- energy and found myself emailing my boss, which I'm sure he appreciates. He sent me a task last night, and I was like, on it, I'm on it. Uh, and then and when I was done, an hour bike ride, uh, you know, probably average like 250 watts or more, um, after I was done, bouncing off the walls, as you can tell right now, and uh, not hungry. I'm having to make myself eat so I'm not hungry uh, during a meeting later. How about that? That's pretty crazy. Um, I'm very much against diets. I'm trying to trying to not eat enough so that you lose weight. You should just eat right and uh, exercise, and then you'll get down to the weight you should be. But uh, that was pretty freaking cool. And, oh, a guy tried to swim across Lake Michigan last night, and uh, storms uh, kept them down. Also, I got in the mail, I ordered uh, a Wahoo Cadence and, uh, oh, and a speed thing that goes around the hub of your bike that's Ant and Bluetooth all in one. They're tiny and uh, then can connect all kinds of stuff. And I put them on Kai's bike uh, last night, which was fun. And then he's going to ride it today and kind of tell me how how it's going. And then the last thing is, oh, my uh, heart rate monitor seems to be kind of conking in and out, you know. It's not too happy. And uh, and it's my old Garmin one, which seems to be kind of a poor quality sometimes device. has issues sometimes. So I ordered a Wahoo ticker, and that is Wahoo. I had a Wahoo heart rate strap forever. They seem to last forever. They're cheap. Um, they're really good quality. Uh, made in the USA, if that matters to you, ish. Um, it's a USA company, and then uh, they're both Bluetooth and Ant, and uh, that way you can watch it on your phone or you can watch it 
on, um, you know, an ant device, like, um, trying to think, uh, yeah, like a Garmin bike computer, but, um, I'm looking forward to possibly getting a, a Sunto device and that's all Bluetooth. So that'll be pretty cool. But this thing, uh, transmits both at the same time and that's pretty freaking cool. And there's a red light meaning it's transmitting ant and a blue light meaning it's transmitting Bluetooth. <laughs> It's so it looks really really cool. So anyway, it's a Wahoo ticker T I C K R, and uh, we'll talk more about that in future shows. All right, I gotta go. Out, boom! Holy cow! I'm back. I've got uh, a quick little thing here. I just realized I've, I use this product manager, product manager, uh, productivity manager, like a to do list thing called Todoist T O D O I S T, and it's really slick and nice, and it's available like on all these platforms web, phone, you know, uh, they have an app if you wanted it, but, uh, I don't know what this person is doing. I guess I'm going to go ahead and go. And the, uh, on my, on my list, I got this item that I'm like, man, I need to knock it off the list is, uh, on the uh, headlamp issue. I don't think I said so earlier. The best use of a headlamp, um, is, and the uh, transition area, T1, uh, maybe T2, uh, on race day at a triathlon, I uh, found that these things are just awesome because now you can uh, be hands-free and pump up your tires and organize your bento box, fill up your water, you can see, you know, and usually it's pitch black outside. And you see people with like a flashlight in their mouth or trying to use their phone as a flashlight. And there you are with a headlamp and uh, you can get going on there. So I found years ago the, uh, the greatest thing for, um, for a transition time uh, for race day is a headlamp. I always bring mine to, uh, to races and uh, I've got one that's kind of falling apart. That's why I'm stoked to get these ones from uh, Leatherman uh, Lens. I have to go look at it. If you go to the Leatherman.com, they have the Lens uh, other company that they're partnered with now at the top of the website. It's pretty cool. And then also I was talking all the stuff about UCAN, which we'll talk about more. Um, I had two servings today. I had one mid-morning and then went easily into all meeting, intense meetings with uh, some pretty important people uh, all morning. And I had a muffin and that was it. <laughs> I wasn't excited about eating a muffin, but that's what I had. That's all they had. And I was able to resist, now that I think about it, I was able to resist the glazed donuts. And I'm a sucker for glazed donuts because I had a big serving of UCAN out of a pouch. I had the um, the vanilla with protein, like vanilla chocolate with protein one. And I just shook it up in a water bottle and slammed it and then drank coffee after that. And then the uh, this afternoon I had another one. And uh, yeah, I feel great, man. Um, yeah, of course I snack stuff like that, but the uh, the snacking goes way way down the rate of calorie intake, and no no afternoon blood sugar crash stuff like that. So anyway, I needed to mention on the show it was in my notes in Todoist, getting right back around to it to mention about the headlamp thing, and also um, I worked with UCAN uh, to get a discount code, so you can use discount code Zentry, all caps to order yourself some you can and get 15% off, which is significant. That's a really good uh, rate. And then um, they kick a small percentage back to Zentry. 
So, uh, to reward the whole podcast gang to, uh, for getting it through uh, Zentri. It's pretty cool. It keeps the show on the air. A lot of fun. Um, and it made me think. I uh, was like, man, you know what has a good ring to it? The Zentri Samurai. <laughs> it's got a nice up, down, up, down. Zentri Samurai. And uh, I, look, I even looked it up. I go, Samurai plural? What's the plural of Samurai? If we're all a bunch of Samurais, uh, but is it Samurai, like mice, uh, mouse, uh, moose, you know, sheep? Moose, uh, plural of moose is still moose. It's not meese. Uh, so uh, what was the plural of samurai? And I looked it up, and it said that in popular culture, some, a lot of times people say samurais. Look at all those samurais over there. We're all samurais. But that actually that's incorrect. That uh, technically plural of samurai is samurai. So now we know. <laughs> we can be the Zentri samurai. I like it. Pretty cool. All right, I'll be back in a minute. Out bang. Use that discount code, 15% off, man. Oh my God. All right, I'm here with Super Turd, is that what you say? Super Turd guy. How's it going, Super Turd? Turdular. Turdular. All right, how old are you, Kai? Um, I am 91. Okay, I need to be half serious, okay? okay? Um, I am half years of 11. Okay, he's 11. And we had quite a fun day, and I want to give a shout out to uh, Amrita Bars here about how they helped save it, right? So, Kai, what did we do this morning that was so cool? Well, Father, we went on a 25-mile bike ride, and with, with, the, what is, with the local bike club. Yeah. Which how, many, I, how many people were there? I do not know, but there was a lot. How many do you think? About 30. Okay. So we rode about 10, 15 minutes to the start, right? It started at another, the front of another subdivision, and we rode there, which is cool. It's always cool to ride your bike to the start of whatever. And all these people were like, whoa, right? Mm-hmm. What were they saying? Hey, Kai, how you doing? Yeah. And I said, good. Yeah. And it's all so good. all these people good. happen to know Kai, not all, all of them, but I don't know, like four or five of them happen to know Kai. And the lady that's in charge of the local triathlon club, we joined up with her on the bike ride over there, just by coincidence. She has mom's favorite bike. Oh, dude. yeah. She has the Quintana Roo that's the pink camouflage. <laughs> that's so cool. And then, um, let's see. We uh, we started riding with them, and at first, uh, well, first we had to wait for a whole bunch of people for somebody with a flat tire to uh, catch up, and then uh, that's the thing about group rides. Group rides often aren't good training rides because anytime the culture with big group rides is if somebody has a problem, uh, everybody stops, right? So like they're more social and fun. So Kai and I are riding along, chatting and stuff, and it was kind of, we were coasting, coasting, right? Not trying at all. It's kind of getting pretty weak, right? And then all of a sudden, about 10 minutes in, they exploded <laughs> like a rocket with Off the like front. And then awesomeness fuel. I was doing okay. Kai's behind me and I look further behind me. And then after, I mean, after a while, Kai's like a little bit further behind me and I want to keep him in my draft, you know, to help him out. 
Um, and then... Uh, I could not have kept up with it. Yeah, Kai was, like, struggling. So then you and I stayed back, and Mr. Brent stayed back for a second and made sure we were cool, right? But I was totally cool with it because I was like, dude, it's father-son ride time, you know, without the big group. And you got your exposure to a big group ride like that. And so... Um, FST? What's FST? Father-son time. Fa- Father-son time? Hashtag. Hashtag FST. And the next thing that I wanted to mention... Let me check make sure the battery's running on this thing. Yeah. The... Uh, oh, uh, Kai and me going to this was kind of a big deal. We've never done this before. Or if we have, it's been forever. And uh, so getting all the stuff together, stuff and water bottles, water bottles and stuff and stuff and water bottles and bikes and tubes and airing up tires and all that crap. For Kai had water, but we forgot to have um, any Gatorade or you know sugary carbs, any fuel mixed in with his water at all, none. So he just had water. And I had a bottle of um, you can. I had a bottle before we left. I mean, a serving of it before we left. And then I had a serving in a water bottle that was raspberry, blueberry, or strawberry kind of flavored, right? And I said, all right, Kai, let's pull... Oh, Kai started getting kind of quiet and then grumpy. And uh, (laughs) Kai's making faces over here. And it was getting kind of... You could tell. Like, he was sapped out of energy. And uh, even though before we started, you had uh, a peanut butter sandwich, right? So, he, uh, I, I said, okay, let's pull over. You drink some of this, uh, you can stuff. And then, what, what was that like? Uh, it was, it was, it was terrible. Well, just the taste of it. Don't yell into the mic, because people are listening with headphones, and it's going to blow their ears out. So, just talk at an even level, okay? It was No, don't whisper either. It was terrible. Well, the taste, yeah. Right. And that's cool. Right? Not everybody has to like Yukan. And Yukan has a particular flavor. I've grown to uh, like it, actually. And um, be- because I've connected in my brain, like, success, right? So to me, it tastes like, subconsciously, I'm kind of like, this tastes like, this tastes like energy. So whatever it tastes like is fine, you know? And, um, and as an adult, your tastes are different and stuff. So Kai was like, no. And I said, come on. What was I saying? Just... Do it! <laughs> really, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly just, how it looks. Just down. drink it. Just like take a big mouthful and just drink it. And then when you're done, rinse it out with, uh, you know, with water. You know, just the whole point is to get energy in you. Who cares what the hell it tastes like? Just I drink know. it. And he's like, no, no. And I'm like, come on, you got to drink more. He's like, no. And finally I gave up, right? Yeah. Right, so we started, we started pedaling along, and then we're riding, 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 about another 10, 15 minutes, and I'm like, on Kai is still kind of like, meh, right? And then I, I realized, I remembered that I had an Amrita bar in my back pocket of my jersey. I threw it in there, because it was on the counter, and I threw it in there before we started riding. And I go, uh, oh, Kai, I just remember I got an Amrita bar. Um, will you, uh, can I give you a bite of that? And you said, Yes. What? And flavor? then you said, Yeah. What flavor? What flavor? And I go, Oh crap, are we gonna get down to flavor again? And then I go, Uh, pineapple. And you said, 
Yeah! Kai. Don't yeah. scream into the mic. Sorry! Okay. Yeah. And, and, uh, I was like, all right. So I opened up the Amrita bar while I was riding and then broke off. You don't break it off. It's chewy. So I tore off, I guess. Um, it's kind of like a power bar, kind of that consistency. And then, um, which is great. And then, uh, I gave a chunk to Kai while we were riding. Kai's like, I can't take it. I can't take it while I'm riding, daddy. Right? Isn't that what she said? Yes. But then I go, just do it. Right? Yes. yes. And then you just did it. I just. Yeah, you just did it. Anyway, so then he ate it and I said, make sure to wash down, you know, with water. Chew it up with water and wash lots it down. Lots and lots of water. And Kai went in about, gosh, dude, it's like five minutes. You went from being quiet to, hey, daddy, daddy, can I, can I charge up this hill? Can I attack this hill? Daddy, daddy. It's not what I said. And I go, uh, maybe you ought to like calm down a little bit. You need to and say then you're, not, And then a little while later, you're like, dad, dad. Um, can we ride to Navasona, which is a city like 30 miles away? And I'm like, uh, you mean Nantucket, which is a different city? He's like, yeah, yeah, that, that. But anyway, my whole point was there was a complete 180 in energy and attitude, right? And I pointed that out to Kai. I said, notice how you were really grumpy earlier, and then now you're real happy, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, and it was because of Amrita bars. And um, after the ride, we um, I posted on Instagram some pics of it, and Amrita Bars on Facebook I think uh, reposted my um, my Instagram pic. Oh my god, all the social media crap. My Instagram of my Twitter. Anyway, Instagram and um, with a with a with a little comment about Amrita Bars. Kids love Amrita Bars. They're not that, you know, like they're pretty good. And Amrita Bars comes in all these different flavors. And I think Kai may have found something for energy for his for his workouts and for races and stuff like that. Right? That was pretty dang good. I was really impressed. So in the end, at the halfway halfway point, we stopped for a minute because there's a, um, uh, what's it called? Post office. Post office and an older guy came up to us that was riding with us way back right he was kind of bringing up the rear and he said um because the, the the big group ride had a lot of like a purposefully like a lot slower people and stuff like that on purpose and uh like a big spectrum of different speeds so we weren't totally totally in the back and the um but anyway this guy came over and complimented kai and said that kai's um bike handling skills in the pack that everybody was like, dude, that, because he said, uh, when somebody, and this is a thing with cycling groups, when somebody's new, everybody watches them to see how terrible of a cyclist they are. <laughs> because other cyclists are what injure you, you know, when they don't know how to ride. And he said, uh, what did he say about you, Kai? Do you remember? No. Come on, you remember. No. He said that you had great bike handling skills and he was watching you to make sure that you weren't some terrible cyclist and you were awesome. Remember? And now I do, yes. Okay. Now, you, you remember that guy me. with the big mirror sticking out of the side of his head? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, which I'm not against. I'm a fan of that. I've never found one that works for me, though. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not angry at that. I think that's fine. I think it's cool. Yeah. I would wear one if I could figure out one that would stay. But the, um, 
they're actually illegal in triathlon races because it's they they consider it to, you might cheat with it because you might watch for um, drafting judges coming up behind you. But uh, the yeah yeah on, mo- on motorcycles and stuff and moped and sneak up on you. and we rode and then Kai on an Amrita bar. <laughs> But I, every every 10 minutes or so, I'd give you another little chunk, right, of Amrita bar, maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. One bar. You didn't even, we didn't even finish it. And he kept asking if he could attack the next hill. When can I attack hills, Daddy? Dad, I do not say Daddy. <laughs> Daddy. Daddy. And then, and then, uh, so I said, save it. The the towards the end of the ride, there's three good hills. Use those three hills as your three intervals, right? And you did. And you hammered it, man. That was yeah, impressive. I you at the end, I had to say. Oh, and then at the end, when we're going down our street, which is a slight uphill, Kai starts racing me, and then climbs the driveway down at the end of our street, which isn't even our house, which has a big slope on it, all the way to the top, and he's like, "I beat you, Dad." Like oh that. wait, but it has one of those. Uh, what is it called? It's like a podium place yeah, on it. Yeah, it. Yeah, we like to get up on that and pretend like we won something. And so uh, afterwards, you were bouncing off the walls, right? And in the car ride, we had to drive to Buffalo, which is an hour and a half drive for something. And uh, Kai was yapping in the car, blah, 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 like that. And uh, so, anyway, but you did have a little bit of chocolate milk after you finished, right? And the... uh chocolate milk. Yeah. Anyway, big shout out to Amrita Bars. You turned my morning and Kai's morning from arguing <laughs> and bonking and blah into a fantastic ride in a day. It really set the tone for the rest of the day. And Kai, I mean, dude, 25 miles. We averaged 15 miles an hour. And it was windy and hilly and uh, just a really, really good ride. And I had a great father-son. What would you call it? FST? Mm-hmm. I had great FST. Hashtag FST. Hashtag FST with you this morning, man. That was really cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yeah. Oh, and then... Tonight, it's nighttime now. We're driving home from the pool. We went swimming together. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't have an Amrita bar before we started swimming, though. You did no, another peanut butter goggles, sandwich. But my goggles got messed. Yeah, your goggles got warped or something in the heat. I don't know what happened, but they're bent. Uh, so that kind of sucked for you. But while we are swimming, there was a father and his daughter looked a little bit younger than you. Who was a freaking motor, man. She was insane. Did, she was, did you see her diving in and doing butterfly? Mm-hmm. She was moving on butterfly. <laughs> she was hauling ass. I was trying to do um, Well, not really. Uh, so, and then a, a much younger little brother. He looked like he was about five or something like that, six, uh, with him, too. He was also swimming, trying to be like his older sister. But it was super cool because I pointed out to Kai. I'm like, look, you swimming with me for training, you know, you're not the only one. Look at that girl, you know? Like, she's doing it, too. And the uh, the dad was walking up and down the deck, uh, yeah, giving her her next workout. Walking up and down the deck. No, I'm not gonna be fat dad. I'm yeah, gonna be I I'm gonna be athletic dad. Yeah, so you and I. Dad, you we should make a track in our backyard around the swimming pool, and you could yell at me while I'm swimming. Oh, we need a swimming pool to put a track around first. Which mom won't let us get. <laughs> I think the bank won't let us get it. We don't have enough money for that. Okay. So, anyway, thank you, dude, for going biking with me this morning and swimming with me this afternoon. You're welcome. All right. It's been good. Yeah. And now we got to eat. Eat. And you might go mountain biking with mommy tomorrow. Yes, I might. God, what a family. Y'all are insane. 
I don't think we should. Where do y'all get that from? No, oh, yeah, it'll be a mess. So you might need to figure out something well, else we, to do. Well, Dad, you know we could get a we could get tires that have that are fat tires, you know. No, we're not buying more bikes. Mm-hmm. We're out well, of bikes. Dad, a, tire, a wheel, a wheel. No, well, you got to buy a bike for the wheels to fit in that frame. Or you could just take a skinny tire and blow it up really big. No, that doesn't work. Yeah. All right, everybody, <laughs> gotta go out. Bang. Oh, I've been I've been working. Wait, wait, I forgot. I got the uh, Sunto um, Spartan Ultra Ew. yesterday, and I've been training with it twice, and I like it. But I'll tell you more later. All right, bang. Oh, by the way, I just remembered. Guys, out of the car checking the mail. I forgot. I wanted to give the uh, discount code to um, Amrita Barnes. Got all excited about how awesome they were. Forgot to give the discount code. So uh, discount code Zentri gets you fifteen um, percent off Amrita Bars. Oh crap. He's having trouble with the mailbox. Is that lightning? Yeah, I can't get it open. Okay, I'll help you. We got this mailbox key system that sucks. Discount code amritahealthfoods.com. Discount code Zentry. Try all caps. Zentry. And um, there it goes. Holy cow, that's a lot of stuff. Ah, thunders. What is that? What does that say? Brett Blankner, here. Well, yeah, but where's it from? Amazon. What does that say? Where's that from? That's to mom. Okay, well, whatever. All right, let's go. Help me do this. No, you leave it in. It doesn't come out. <laughs> ah. All right. Oh, so... um. Amarita Bars has uh, tons and tons of different flavors. I think my favorite is mango coconut. Um, and then also anything that they have that's chocolate. Oh my gosh, it's so good. They have a chocolate recovery bar that has some protein in it. Plant protein for all you vegans out there. You vegan maniacs. Dad, you were Hey, I came up with something. Yeah, I did vegan for a while. I came up with something. Zentri Samurai. Yes. Yeah? You like yeah, that? That's you cool. You like the bounce of that? Yeah, Zintri Samurai. Zintri Samurai. Did you know Samurai is both uh, singular and plural? Like if there's a bunch of Samurais, like deer. it's actually, you call them, yes, like deer. Look how smart you are. It's like you went to school or something. I didn't. Oh my jeez. No, so there's a lot of lightning. We better get off the phone before it hits the, hits the microphone and explodes it. Dun, dun, dun. Out. Oh, what was it? Barn. <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's see if we can get the car turn. to do it. There's a there's a spring that catches in my steering wheel, and when it when I turn the Pretty steering wheel, and it goes barn. Instead, of, Kai asked if I was doing that instead of Bing. So let's see if we can get it to do it. Hold on, it's gonna take a minute. Gotta get a sharp turn on. There it went. Let's see if we can get another one. It's only when he turned left. Oh, mom has the TV on. Oh, no, we just got that one little one. All right, out, bang, bang. You think that Amazon is from? Well, I ordered a swimsuit because my other one is starting to get a hole in it. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up this show. I'm in the Zentri Mobile Studios, and it is trafficy. It's backing up. But uh, I just rode Zwift this morning, and I know this has been out for a little while, but I rode the um, 
the London course. And I'm not sure if it's something that happens, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays or if you actually have a choice. I just turned it on and went. I figured out this little trick where you can uh, shrink down your uh, web browser and then pop that window over uh, Zwift, which is the uh, video game where you ride your bike. And it'll... Um, it, you know, you can put it right in the dead center of your screen. I posted a picture of it on Instagram. And it's uh, it's kind of cool because the middle of your screen is the... Uh, if you're kind of bored with the course... And today I wasn't bored because it was new. Because it was riding around London, which is neat. And you go around through a tunnel. And uh, you pop up in the countryside, which is pretty cool. And then ride up Box Hill, which is famous. And um, But the cool thing about Zwift is is the metrics. It's got your heart rate, your power, your cadence, uh, your time, uh, your miles. Uh, i trying to think whatever else is important. Kind of around the edges of the screen. And uh, this runs on a laptop, by the way. Or maybe a PC with a big monitor. Um, and so you're looking at that, and those numbers are all good because it's telling you how your workout's going. And um, also at the bottom of the screen, you can uh, pick left, right, uh, you know, if, if there's a turn coming up, you can choose. And so you can put a web browser right in the middle of that, shrink it down so you've got, you know, all the Zwift metrics and interesting stuff you need to know around the edges. And then I put, oh, my watch is beeping at me. The, uh, then you can put the um, YouTube or whatever, the news, your web browser, whatever you're reading, uh, right there in the middle of it. And the other thing, oh, so, so you're getting your entertainment uh, that you want plus all your bike metrics so you know that your workout's on track, you know, because you kind of need to watch that stuff. Where's my heart rate? Where's my cadence? And where's my power, uh, most specifically? And you can put all that stuff uh, yeah, around the edges, put that in the middle, and, and uh, have a nice little ride. I put a picture of that setup. Oh, the, uh, on Instagram. By the way, I put my laptop on top of a music stand uh, a couple years ago or so I went to finally caved in and bought a $35 <laughs> uh, music stand you know we'll, we'll buy a $2,000 bike but we'll be like I don't want to spend that but anyway I bought a music stand which is adjustable height and it sits on a single pole you know like a, a little rod and it's got a little tripod at the bottom of it it's real, super stable and um, and it's anodized metal or uh, powder coated so it's not going to rust or anything if you get sweat on it and then you can get that laptop I mean within inches of your hands and above your hands so your sweat won't drip on it and your face won't drip on it and then you can re keep a little hand towel next to it and uh, you can wipe off your hands before you uh, use the keyboard and you're set and then we have a, uh, a fan that's a standing fan uh, Actually, we have two of them. We have one of them right next to the laptop, and it's pointing right at my face. And so I can sit there and ride and really, really enjoy it. And then I have an array of headbands and handkerchiefs, bandanas, that I can tie in the headbands, all lined up. And in two, in an hour, I'll go through two headbands, maybe three. And that's it. So it ends up for a, uh, a really nice ride. Um, also, on Todoist which is an, uh, a productivity app like Task Manager, um, 
it can even be kind of a project manager app. I have um, a recurring task that happens every day that I can check off called injury status. And this keeps me documenting how my, uh, how my foot injuries are going. I've got plantar fasciitis in both feet, and I think I've got a broken metatarsal on the outside of my left foot. I think that thing snapped uh, a while back under the strain of the plantar fasciitis just pulling on it, or maybe me running weird because of the, uh, the uh, plantar fasciitis. Um, not surprised, sucks, but I'm not, I'm not surprised. But <laughs> my plantar fasciitis isn't healed. Well, there's no use worrying about the little stress fracture because I can't do anything until plantar fasciitis is healed anyway. But, um, yes, you can check off the uh, task every day and then it repeats. It shows up again in Todoist the next day. But that's half the trick. The other trick is that you can um, add comments to your task and it time stamps your comments in Todoist which is really cool. So I can have a, every day I add a comment about how it feels when I wake up or if I remember a little bit later in the day. And then also, um, then I check it off. Right. And sometimes, sometimes I'll forget to check it off, but I won't. Uh, but if I put in a comment and I missed a day, I'll say my comment even though it's timestamped today, I'll say yesterday I woke up and whatever. So basically my comments go something like this. Plantar fasciitis uh, is really bothersome right when you first wake up. Overnight, your uh, muscles and tendons uh, tense up and they try to heal. And then when you first start walking, or if you haven't walked in a while, let's say you've been sitting at a desk for a while, uh, they do the same thing. And you stand up and start walking. It uh, the, the stretching of walking uh, rips it apart. So I noticed... Um, there's two different calf stretches that uh, can help because a lot of this is uh, calves that are too tight over time. Uh, been doing stuff that makes them tighter and tighter and tighter and then it keeps pulling on your feet. Is um, If you straighten out your leg and do a, uh, and do a stretch, this car in front of me is insane. Go, dude. If you stand in, uh, if you stand with your knee bent or straight and stretch, it stretches one set of calf muscles or muscle. And if you um, if you bend your knee, point it towards the ground a little bit, and bend your ankle more, uh, and then stretch the calf, that stretches a different muscle. It's really weird. So you need to make sure you're stretching both, which is kind of cool. Then you get the full stretch all the way through. And after doing that some, I realized uh, how tight my calves were. And uh, it seems to really be helping with the plantar fasciitis healing a little bit better, which is pretty cool. All right, I'm back. So, uh, also, and I guess that's about it for this episode. I'd also like to recommend a book for uh, you to check out. Audiobook always, so that uh, you can run or ride uh, if you want, which is um, Buddhist Boot Camp. Buddhist Boot Camp by a guy named Timber Hawkeye. He renamed himself. He's a, he's a normal dude from the United States. Uh, was doing an average career. Um, was at work. 
he's a few years into work, and then at work they had an office party for a woman who'd been there 30 years, you know, celebrating 30 years. And he's like, he's been here 30 years in a cubicle. <laughs> this sucks. I got to run away. And uh, he sold everything and uh, just started uh, meditating and documenting his experience and what it was like. And he wrote letters to friends as he went to Hawaii and lived in a on a beach and on nothing, you know, sold, I mean, literally sold everything and, uh, minimalist living and really finding himself. And the audiobook is really kind of an edited down collection of his letters to his friends about his thoughts. It's not that long. It's a couple hours, maybe two and a half hours long. And, uh, it's pretty good. It's really Zen, but also kind of all around, uh, just smart thoughts kind of a mix of different philosophies and religions. It's pretty cool. So it's called Buddhist Boot Camp. And that's my recommendation for the end of the show to carry over to the next one. And I think that's it. So everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills. Cruise the downhills. And keep the rubber side down out.